This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. And I'm RJ Bailoff. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order to release. This week, we are going to be talking about gutter snipes and pimp dads while watching spine number 85 in the Criterion Collection, Pygmalion, directed by Anthony Asquith and Leslie Howard from 1938. But first, RJ, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's been a while. It's, it feels like it. Did we not do an episode last week? What's going on? Well, we did, but we did it like a day early. So oh, now, now, yeah, now it because, feels like even longer ago to yeah, us. Because of some weird thing you had to do that uh, yes. delayed the show yeah. with your unprofessionalism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like it's been a while. But yeah. it, it might also just be because of the movies we were watching this week made the week seem really long. Uh, and some of those movies. Some of those movies. Yeah. So, uh, uh, hey, you know what I remembered? I never told you my Rooney Mara story from uh, an episode or two ago. Oh. When we were talking about a ghost story. Yeah. I just remembered. You want to hear a story about Rooney Mara? Go for it, Big Mac. So I had a friend when I lived in Colorado named Miles Rooney. And uh, he was dating a cousin of Rooney Mara. And he made a joke to her once. He was like, hey, you know, if me and your cousin... If me and your cousin ever got married, her name would be Rooney Rooney. And uh, that girl thought it was funny, and she told Rooney Mara that. And then Rooney Mara laughed. Huh. That was my joke. Huh. I don't know if you can tell, but not a lot's been going on in my life this week. Mm. Well, I know you've watched a lot of really great movies this week. Oh, you bet. You betcha. What about you? You got any hot, interesting, exciting things happen this week? Or is it uh, downtime, downtime for you? Uh, I think that's offensive, first of all. Uh, secondly, it's accurate. Uh, not much has been going on in my life. Uh, just work. And you'd think that the end of the semester would be all crazy with students coming knocking at my door, asking mm-hmm. for favors and equipment to do their like fin- final projects. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure I remember having this exact conversation like uh, a year ago at this time, and I was complaining about this lack of action. Um, and here we are again. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing really new. Um, a lack of action, yeah. he says. A lack of action. Uh, I had a man from the Epson company, uh, or I guess a. That th- doesn't sound real. A guy. Epson. They make printers and scanners and such. Uh, mm. I, we had to get someone in to do a service call on our large format printer. It's very exciting. Mm. But the funny bit, so they sent this box filled with, like, all the parts you could possibly need to fix a machine that's having problems. Uh, mm-hmm. The guy shows up with the box. He has never opened it up or anything like that. It's just business for, as usual for him. He proceeds mm-hmm. to go through the machine. And basically, there's one piece that's, like, the last thing you want to deal with because that piece alone is $1,800. And mm-hmm. it's, like, about – it's a little smaller than the, your palm of your hand. And like, I mean, that probably goes for even a small child. Uh, it's it's tiny. Uh, mm-hmm. So we, he goes through all the motions of like fixing the machine. Nothing's working. So he's like, well, the last thing is the printhead. So he pulls out that printhead out of the box and it's broken. This brand new piece is mm. like, it's been poorly manufactured. Um, but it's just like the most expensive thing. It, it's 1800 bucks and it's like worthless. Um, so now this guy has to like go all the way back up to Calgary, order another one, and then come back down here to fix this thing and continue fixing it. So, that, so that's a real uh, big old waste of everyone's time. It's fantastic. 
Hey, Jer. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to ask you how your week is going anymore. Yeah, I know. It's this is this is why. These are um, these are details that aren't. They're life, life's not funny. Life is just yeah. boring things. That I think that to me. story I told was a, a funny anecdote about mm-hmm. how uh, an actress is. You know, she's really just like us. She she laughs at the same jokes that we do. Hmm. Do, um, do, do they? Um, I don't know. But you know what? Why don't we get to the show? Because clearly we have nothing to talk about in real life for our our lives. No. <laughs> Which is n- neither sad nor exciting, but um, maybe one day we'll have something going on. Hey, RJ. Yo. What you been creeping on this week? Ooh, girl. All sorts of shit, man. All sorts of shit. So uh, this week is uh, Pygmalion week which we'll talk about later Ow. uh ow! so uh this uh i believe you described earlier this is andy week uh for the hot andy picks uh makeover movies girlfriend uh rom-coms uh teen romances high school all that shit not too hot not too hot mm-hmm mm-hmm uh what is it nasty women and things like that mm-hmm. all that good stuff so I was watching all sorts of uh, rom-coms this week, Jared. Yeah. To try to get prepared for the show. And uh, I think I'm going to rattle off a couple of them pretty quick. And then I'll talk about uh, a couple heavy hitters that I watched this week that mm-hmm. maybe weren't rom-coms. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. So uh, I watched She's All That. You ever seen She's All That from 99? I have not. I know of, I know oh, really? of the movie, but I've no dude you know ne- you never seen cheese all that not uh, even in 99 no what are you a weirdo no <laughs> everybody's seen she's all that you didn't even like there wasn't even like a time you were at a friend's house and it was just playing on tv at like two in the morning and you're like i guess there's nothing else on uh nope <laughs> wow well that's when i watched she's all that okay I, uh, and then i watched it again this week so she's all that jer we got, uh, what's her face, uh, I think, Jennifer Jason Lee and uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always thought his name was Freddie Prince Jr., no. but there's a Z in there, so yes. it's Freddie Prinze uh, Jr. Uh, I watched a couple of his movies this week. Um, he has a scary intensity that his eyes are always, like, super wide and his bottom jaw is kind of, like, locked. People can't see what I'm doing, but Jared can see it. <laughs> he's, like, he's always super intense, but he's talking about, like, really, like pretty basic stuff he's like oh i'll order the eggs and he's like staring at your fucking eyes did you know he's... that Freddie prince jr had a stint writing for wwe really yeah like uh what like the main events like raw and stuff or like, just like just just as, a, just as a writer they have like a ridiculous number of writers working there but they like they really like the idea of having a celebrity working for them mm-hmm. and they're like and he wanted to do it he's like yeah i love wrestling and during he, what era oh god i, I it was about maybe 10 years ago, I would guess. So, like, late 2000s. Like, he wasn't really mm-hmm. – I mean, he wasn't really setting the world on fire anymore as an actor. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, this is, like it's, – it's a strange period of time. Hmm. Well, that's uh, interesting, I guess. I guess. Um... That's that's all I give a fuck about Freddie Prince Jr. Like, yeah. I, I don't even know if I've seen a complete movie with him in it. Oh, man, I've seen so many friend- – so you got to remember – when this guy was hot was right when I was like a little kid. So these movies were on all the fucking time, dude. 
Like I know oh. what you did last summer. Yep. She's all yeah. that. I've seen. I've seen it. I know what you did last summer. And uh-huh. what about them Scooby Doo's? You nope. ever seen them Scooby Doo's? Nope. You never seen no, no Scooby Doo? Nope. Hmm. I see. And I would debate if I actually did see. I still know what you did last summer. I really don't know if I did see that movie. Hmm. Well, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I've seen a few of them. Uh, so she's all that is Freddie Prinz. He is like the hot soccer player because soccer is like popular in the 90s, I guess. And uh, he's like the prom king. And uh, he takes a bet from Paul Walker, R.I.P., uh, that uh, he could take the dorkiest, nerdiest girl in school and turn her into the prom queen. And so you know who the dorkiest, nerdiest girl in school is, Jer? Um, the lead actress in the movie. That's right. She's the lead actress. But you know what makes her dorky? She does art, man. And she wears overalls. Oh and she my. paints. And she has like inter- she does interpretive dance shit and uh, interpretive art. There's a scene mm. where... There's like this guy with a bunch of midgets running around and they're busting out of bubbles. And like it's actually that part was the part with the midgets was pretty good because uh, what did he say? He came up to the thing. He's like, I drive a Ford Prius, not a Prius because that didn't exist then. Something like that. Hey, RJ, do you know how many Rachel Lee Cook movies I've seen? How many? Uh, None. But I I think I saw uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Mm. She, does mm-hmm. a, she apparently mm-hmm. she does a voice in that, but yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you never seen Get Carter, dude? No, I did not see that. Ver- I didn't see. Never... The, I did not see the Get Carter remake. You never seen Tom and Huck with Jonathan Taylor Thomas? And, and RJ, I've never seen Antitrust or Nancy Drew, uh, Josie and the damn. Pussycats, The Babysitters Club. Uh, I feel kind of bad for you. You missed out on some hot stuff back in the day. This is like a pocket of film. I'm just just. Not, it's an oversight. It's it's a failing of mine. It is a failing of yours. You're kind of a bad person. Yeah. If you really want to get into it. Uh, what were we talking about here? Yeah, she was in some movies. A lot of movies I had seen as a uh, younger gentleman. Um, so what's, what are we talking about? She's all that? Oh, yeah. So he makes a bet that he can turn her into prom queen. It's kind of your typical stuff. I'm pretty sure people are familiar with it. Uh, there's some nostalgic charm to it. If you had seen it back then, maybe. Uh, but there's also a lot of pretty, uh, um, I don't want to say cringeworthy stuff, because that's a weird word. Uh, but there's some stuff that you're just like, ugh, it's very dated. So she's all that. Not much to say. Paul Walker's in there. Um, hot dog. Hot dog. We have a wiener. Uh, there's some other girls in there. I don't know. Hey, you know what else came out in 1999? Never uh, been kissed, oh. starring your girl Drew Barrymore. She's not my girl, man. Not have you seen girl. Never Been Kissed? No, RJ. I've never seen Never Been Kissed. What's wrong with you? Did you did you not have fun as like a, a younger guy? No, uh, not by this point in my life. I was like pretty hard into like watching cinema. Would it? Would I convince you Quote, to watch unquote. this? If it would bump up your uh, John C. Riley stats, no, as Mr. John C. Riley is in this one, I would rather watch the uh, whatever that Circus Du Freak of uh, the Vampire's oh, yeah. Assistant. I'd rather watch that than this. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, so there's actually a ton of actors in this. I think it was either an SNL or a Happy Madison thing. We got like Drew Barrymore, Molly Shannon, David Arquette, 
Octavia Spencer, future Oscar Award winner, I think. John C. Riley, James Franco, your personal buddy. Mm-hmm. Um, so never been kissed, Jarrett. Do you know what this movie is about? Uh, it's like, uh, see, I, I had a buddy in high school. He really loved this movie. Sure. And uh, <laughs> he 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 told you, you should really watch it. Because um, like the other one, because he also he also loved, he, but he also loved Jennifer Love Hewitt. So it was like her and she's Drew not Bar- in this. No, but her and Drew oh. Barrymore for my friend. Uh, he says, "Arj, you gotta let me finish sometimes." They he, they, they they vied for his attention, um, and I don't know why he liked this movie so much. But like on paper, I read about it. and I'm like, this is like a weird, creepy movie about like people pretending to be high school students, right? That's that's what I recall. Are you done? I think so. All right. Am I right? right? Yeah, let me finish. Can you out said friend so we can? uh... Oh, this I I haven't spoken to this guy forever. He he's long gone. Yeah. So never been kissed. Uh, Drew Barrymore is like, I think it's hard to get a gauge on her age. You think she's like close to thirty, but I think she's actually like twenty five or something. Mm. But she works for this like hotshot newspaper, and uh, they need a scoop. They need a new story, an exposition, you know, or expose, whatever that thing is. So they need something new, fresh, wow, hip now. Uh, so Drew Barrymore is like real geeky lady. And uh, she's like, well, I'll go undercover at a high school because like I've never been kissed. And they're like, you never kissed a dude? And uh, she's like, no. Uh, she's like, I've never really had like that kiss. And it's like, ooh, shit. So she goes undercover, Jared, as a 17-year-old girl. And uh, she, like, cheats in school because she's already taken all these things. And she's really good at it because, of course, she would be. And uh, there's the popular kids, uh, which um, the guy who, like... So there's the group of clicky girls, which has, like, Jessica Alba and uh, that blonde girl from Planet Terror. Um, and they're, like, really, like, uh-uh, girl. You know? Like, they really get her. Cause they're mean to her and stuff and they like and there's putting on her and stuff and they laugh and she's they're mean and then there's like the popular guys there's this really androgynous looking guy who looks like he's like somewhere in between places if you know what i mean and uh he's he wears like button-ups and there's always like four buttons undone and it's just like his bare bald chest is hanging out and he's kind of like he kind of has acne but I don't know. And it's it's funny because, like, his sidekick is James Franco, who's, like, way more attractive than he is. He's, like, way more handsome. But apparently he was, like, the super stud. Hmm. And so she, like, she's in the school and she's kind of nerdy still and people don't really like her. And then uh, her brother, David Arquette, who is also, like, in his 20s, decides to enroll in the high school to high school as well because he's like you know i think i could could have made it as a baseball player if anyone actually saw me he's like maybe if i enroll in this high school and play on the baseball team uh a scout will see me and i'll do it and like he's really cool because he eats a lot of coleslaw and stuff so he gets in with the popular kids and he's like you know who you all should be hanging out with is drew barrymore so then she suddenly becomes popular right that's never been kissed but also so Drew Barrymore is like living this high school life she never lived because she's popular now, but she was always like made fun of and bullied a lot. Uh, and she's with the popular kids, which is cool. But then also there's like the English teacher that she kind of like they have like a connection with. But it's like it's it's super inappropriate. And uh, that's the big takeaway from this movie is that everything in this movie, like if this came out now, I don't know what would happen. Because, like, you got to be so careful not to, like, 
like sexual stuff, you know, you gotta be careful. And it's like all these like old people that are like hitting on all these people who are in high school and uh, the high school teacher, the drama teacher thinks she's 17, but they're like, they, they run into each other at like bars and stuff. And he's like telling her about, he's like, yeah, my wife just left me. And it's like, that's really inappropriate, dude. If this girl's like, you think she's your student. And then he finds out she's not. And he's like, so it's okay. I'm attracted to you now. And it's like, oh, that's weird. And then David Arquette is dating a high school girl. And that's kind of weird. Um, it's pretty inappropriate, Jared. Hmm. Maybe in 99, it didn't seem like it. This movie is almost 20 years old. So what you're saying is I should just watch that episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they start uh, serving underage kids uh, beer and then they become entwined in their lives and then they wind up going to prom. To be honest, I think this movie is sleazier than that. But it's not as funny. (laughs) No, actually, there are a couple pretty pretty bomb jokes in this one. But it's like probably 90 90 minutes compared to 20. That's true. Hey, you know what's weird? The marching band plays the uh, Simpsons theme song in this movie. Hmm. Uh, I I believe it is a 20th Century Fox movie, but mm. I was like, I, I think that's still kind of weird for them to do that. Yeah, it's Fox, and it's like, yeah. ah, Simpsons. Yeah. So uh, I watched um, two other rom-coms. I'll save one for later, maybe. Okay. Unless, should I talk about it? Right. I, I feel like it was a remake of Pygmalion. Well, we'll just save it then. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to talk about Summer Catch. That's a movie with <laughs> Freddie Prinze Jr. Uh, where he plays baseball. Uh, I used to like that movie when I was 11 um, because Jessica Biel's pretty foxy in it. And it's like, baseball, yeah, sports. Um, but he, he's really he's really hard to take seriously because of the way he has his fucking wide eyes all the time. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a Bobby Hoff favorite. Summer Catch? Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, I yeah. can see that. And, and, and Hardball? Oh, yeah. Hardball is not bad. Mm. Summer Catch, it's like it's fine. There's there's nothing like super bad about it, but you wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, Summer Catch. It's the best fucking movie ever. You know, and uh, remember the other the other uh, Bobby Hoff collector, uh, like the, the number one is uh, Bring It On. Oh, yeah. And, That's because he's an old perv, though. Yep. <laughs> I believe he did watch that with, like, I don't know, he's like two-year-old. <laughs> Oh no! And, like he just would be on constantly, and he just watched it over and over and over again. <laughs> you can't justify that you watch it with a kid when it, the kid's it's not like, even it, aware it, of it's, what's it's, happening. He's not even like a sentient being; it's just like yeah. a blob. Yeah, and there oh, he yeah. was watching. Bring it on! Oh, that's creepy. The, 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 hey, Jerry. Yeah, what? <laughs> Why were you gonna say something no, creepy? No, RJ, I'll leave that to you, man. Okay, you want to hear something clean. creepy? What? You you want to hear a, a good movie I watched this week? What movie did you watch this week that was good? Sorceress by Jim Wynorski. Sorceress by Jim Wynorski. <laughs> Starring Larry Poindexter, which I didn't think was a real name, but apparently it is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Linda Blair from The Exorcist. Hmm. Uh, so this is um, one of them softcore porn movies that's actually not... It's more a movie than it is this than the porn, but there is a lot of foxy babes. There's like this dude, and uh, his girlfriend does witchcraft, and uh, she casts like a spell on this guy to make him drive his car off a cliff so that her boyfriend can get the job promotion. And he comes home 
this is how the movie starts, by the way. He comes home and she's like rubbing oils on her naked body uh, in front of like candles and stuff. And he's like, he's like, we've talked about this. You can't do this. And she's like, I did it for you, baby. Everything I do is for you. And she's like, I'll always be with you. And he's like, no more. And he throws her off of uh, the balcony and she dies. <gasps> and and it's just like, oh, shit. Didn't see that one coming. And then another lady comes out and it's like, that things are going to get worse for you. And he's like, huh? But he's like, I don't really care. Uh, so then next, uh, his like co-worker comes over to his house and uh, they get down to making some business, if you know what I mean. And uh, Michael Parks is in this movie as some weird guy who killed his family. And that's a side story that doesn't really matter. And then you find out there's another another witch, which is Linda Blair. And she is after these people um, for some reason, because her husband was also for the job or something like that. Uh, and then uh, you get a little witchcraft battle at the end. Uh, girlfriend becomes possessed and uh, she starts killing off friends. Um, it's not bad, this movie. It's fun to watch. Okay. I enjoyed it. Uh, there's a lot of sex scenes. Um, the one thing, the one note I wrote down is that this movie has a lot of butt kissing and it's like really weird. Like, I don't mean like, uh, like sucking up to people. I mean like literal butt kissing and it's like, you're, I know you're asking, what do you mean? Oh, oh man. So there's like, this happens like three separate times in three, three separate like sex scenes where the girl will be on the bed and the guy will be like kissing her shoulders making his way down. Mm -hmm. And then he'll just linger on the butt for a while and you're like, okay. And then, and then like immediately it switches to the guy is laying down and then the girl is kissing from her, his back down and then she lingers on his butt for a while. And it's like this Larry Poindexter guy. It's like, it's like a 10 minute clip or a 10 minute scene of this girl kissing his butt, like just like, like just kissing his butt. Pe and then, the, yeah. And then the camera like pans back up to him and he's like, ah, yeah yeah he's like he's like oh yeah that's good stuff and you're just like ooh, weren't you the bad guy in swat and it's uh it's kind of gross um and that happens a lot man there's a lot of butt kissing in this movie hmm. uh despite that uh, i actually thought this movie was pretty good i think it's worth a watch huh like uh this this would be like a couch banger for you and your buddies that sounds really gross Except you all, you'd all get uncomfortable boners, and you'd be like, "Ooh, don't show anyone," because <laughs> that's what happens with you and your friends, eh? Butt bangers. Butt bangers. Ooh, I had a friend in high school we called butt banger. Mm -hmm. uh, not not because of what you would think, for other reasons, but that's a story for another day. Hmm. You want to hear what I really watched this week, Jared? Yeah, I do actually. Uh, so last night, uh, the long-awaited. Uh, return of your buddy mr Zack snyder uh we watched me and my buddy hammy went to justice league wow finally finally yeah uh, did they roll out the red carpet for you mm. one of the mm -mm. biggest defenders of bvs one of the biggest defenders uh me and actually the guy i went with he's one of the uh, other rare people who uh love that movie uh he told me he watches that scene of uh ben affleck working out like almost once a week um, and I believe it. This guy's, I believe it. So, um, anyways, uh, so we went to Justice League. It was a Tuesday. It was a cheap night. Yeah. Uh, we went to a prime showing, uh, 720. Mm -hmm. 
which I, I thought was going to be pretty busy. There was maybe 10 people in the theater. Ooh. <laughs> maybe. And this was the second week it came out. Uh, on another note, uh, this didn't even hold the top spot for over a week. Uh, that no. Pixar movie brought that's, it down, but that, whatever. That, that, that's not surprising, though. Yeah. So uh, so we went to Justice League. And we've talked about this movie a lot, Jarrett. Yep. A lot. Uh, I'm just going to start with saying that I think it is very evident that uh, this is a weird kind of amalgamation of different visions and i don't i don't want to sound like a dink and be like oh it's Zack snyder's vision uh i mean like it seems clear that Zack snyder made a movie mm-hmm. and then joss whedon came in and he kind of made his own movie mm-hmm. and the movie joss whedon made was very heavily directed by executive people because it doesn't seem like a Joss Whedon movie either. Like you can tell the parts that I think are his, um, because they're just kind of different in style and nature. But uh, also, this movie in general, uh, it plays very safe, uh, and it is—it's a kids' movie, is what it is. Hmm. I feel like this is a kids' movie, and oh. it would appeal a lot more to kids. Um, because it doesn't, it's not challenging. Like, you know, BVS was challenging. It asked hard (laughs) questions. It made you think about stuff. Uh, this movie doesn't really make you think about anything. Mm. Yeah. It just kind of straps you in for the ride. It's not over. There's nothing outside of what you can imagine. And there's a lot of funny jokes for the kids and it's very colorful. Um, I think it's a kid's movie, Jared. Okay. And I think it's because uh, the Warner Brothers people did that, the executives. So I know you're, what you're asking. Did I like this movie? Do you think I did? Yeah. I don't know. You're probably like, meh, it's okay. Hey, Jarrett. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's not like real bad. It's not like Green Lantern bad. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, okay, that's good. Yeah, but it's not like good either there see that's the kind of the thing there it's kind of it's really unfortunate um because there are a few moments that i actually think are really good like a few sequences mm-hmm. or just really little moments between characters that i think are really good and it's like man that's the fucking movie i want to watch and then right after that there's something kind of shoehorned in there and you're just like oh where it's like it's like real corny dad jokes mixed in with like really bright, colorful shit. And you're just like, it's the kind of stuff that like you're almost embarrassed to watch. Not because it's like, oh, that's embarrassing. But you're just like, you you know how, have you ever gotten uncomfortable watching something because it feels embarrassing? Many times. Many times. There's a lot of scenes like that in this, I think. Where you're just like, oh man, you're like, I wish they didn't do that. But um. <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's it's weird because I feel like it follows a lot of what was maybe originally intended, but then it also strays away from it a lot. Because there's a lot of scenes that were like there way, way back when they fucking they showed a teaser for this like a year ago. And there's a lot of scenes like that. But then there's a lot of stuff they took out, too, which doesn't make any sense, like stuff that was in the trailer. Like, you remember that cool scene in the trailer in the first one, Jarrett, where... uh Aquaman is on the dock and all that water crashes into him. Mm. That was a cool scene. Okay. I wish that was in the movie. And you know what they show? 
about the first two seconds of that, and then they cut away before it happens. And it's like, why'd they cut that out? Because it's got to be it's, two hours. It's got to be two hours, yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of scenes like that where it's like stuff that we we had seen before. It's like, oh, man, I can't wait for that scene. And then it's just not there. But I don't know. In terms of the story, uh, I think this was Zack Snyder's attempt at Lord of the Rings. There's like <laughs> there's like a backdrop what? story. I, hear me out for a second. No, I, I, I whatever. I just like, hear me. there's, there's like backdrop story about like when Steppenwolf and the parademons came with the mother boxes and then like the Amazonians and the Atlantans and uh man and uh, some green lanterns and Shazam, they go battle him and you see that stuff and it's pretty cool. And then it's like the three mother boxes go to each. It's like one goes to the Amazonians. One goes to, Atlanteans and then it's like and one two man and it's like it looks very much like Lord of the Rings and they're like burying it in the woods and I was like oh that's kind of neat uh <laughs> and then there's like a tower with like Steppenwolf is like Sauron in the tower with the mother boxes um and the parademons are like orcs they're like oh. vampires mm. <laughs> I know I know you hate oh, it no um, I do not think you would like this movie <laughs> at all remember how you watched BVS and you're like yeah it wasn't bad yeah uh, I think you would watch this and you just be like ugh <laughs> Um, what, what, I don't know. See the the probably one of the worst movies I've seen in theater in a long time that comes to mind where I'm like, this is like one of the worst things I've seen like ever in a theater was Hobbit Two. Ooh, yeah. And it's like that's kind of like that trailer for this Justice League yeah. is like that's what it's like. It just signals that to me. It, it's got so much yep. stuff that I just be like, nope. I think. Uh, see, that's the thing too. Like, I I agree with you. I I don't think you would like this. But I actually, I do feel kind of, I feel bad, man, because I feel like this could have been a way better movie. And it just, I feel like it got, I, I might be one of those Zack Snyder truthers out there. Are, I think you, it got uh, meddled did, with. Did, did you sign that petition? Uh, I will. Yeah. I'll sign that. But that his movie doesn't exist, though. So, like, yeah. he never finished. Um, I don't know. It's, like, I, I read a bunch of things online about how, like Warner Brothers was like it needs to be like this and this and uh it was like what everyone thought when BVS came out and it got horrible reviews but Justice League was filming like the week of uh Warner Brothers was like let's get Zack Snyder out of there and they there was all this like behind the scenes stuff and they were rushing to get this thing out I don't know man who knows what's true um <clears throat> one thing is very evident Ben Affleck is totally checked out <laughs> uh, he he does not want to be there, and that's very clear. Um, Jason Momoa is pretty good. Uh, I like his surfer dude Aquaman, where he says says stuff like "my man." Uh, there's no outrageouses dropped, but um, he's pretty good. Uh, Cyborg was okay, but no one really cares about Cyborg. Uh, did, the did, Flash. Did the, uh, did the uh, Cyborg effects look better in the movie than they did in those trailers? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes they look okay. Mm. Um, and like I think it sounds like there was a lot of stuff shot for Cyborg that didn't make it into the movie, and I'd like to see that. Um, Flash, you would hate uh, because um, he is comedic relief, and he drops a lot of really fun, uh, fun zingers. Uh, there's actually um, – he actually had two moments that made me genuinely laugh in the movie – there's uh, some Stephen King references 
that uh, the timing on them was actually I thought was really funny. And uh, then there's a moment between him and Superman, which I thought was really good. Um, shortly after a Stephen King reference. Oh, so uh, here, so we're gonna get into some more stuff here. Jared. Um, so my general opinion on this movie is I thought it was okay. It's obviously it's not good. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as everyone says, but it's it's clearly not great. Um, and it's too bad. I noticed that in all the people you named off, there was no talk of Gal Gadot. Well, she she's good. I like her, but I don't like some of the stuff they do with her character. Like in Wonder Woman, like her big move is that she like smashes her fucking uh, bracelets together or whatever. And she does it like nine times in this movie. And I got really bored of it. I was like, do something else. Um, she, to be honest, she's at least trying. Uh, like a, a lot of the people are trying. I don't think Ben Affleck cared, but uh, no. Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa, they were both really good. And like Ezra Miller and uh, what's his name? Ray Fisher, the guy who plays Cyborg. They were good too. Uh, I don't know. Um, and I, I heard a lot of people complain about Steppenwolf. I think mm-hmm. he was, I thought he was fine. He's no different yeah. from any of the Marvel villains. Yeah, this is to be honest. I thought he was more. Uh, I thought he had more to his character than a lot of the Marvel villains do because it was the same shit. It's like I'm gonna blow up the world, yeah. but like I, I think it's like yeah, I think like the Steppenwolf character was getting it real bad because I think people are fed up with that, and mm-hmm. it's just like oh, here's another opportunity because every time you make one of these movies, you have the opportunity to like write the ship and do something different, and then they just yeah. do the same thing again. Yeah. Well, so here's the thing though, like. He wasn't very different from anyone else, but there were some cool moments with him. I was like, yeah, I believe this guy. Where it's like, I kind of understand his ambition for this. Whereas, like, people really rag on him. But when Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out, that movie's got like a 99%. And fucking Kurt Russell is the villain in that. And his motivation is exactly the same. He's like, I want to blow up the whole universe. Or he's like, I want to make everything in the universe me. And it's like, how is that different from fucking Steppenwolf? Who's like a? D- is that actually like the, what the? Oh, oh yeah, oh. I th- yeah. That sorry spoilers, but uh, I don't care. Um, that movie is like two years old now. So yeah, it's it, it did it. Well, I think it came out this year, right? Oh, did it? I think so. Oh, whatever. Well, but it's an eternity, isn't it? I don't fucking. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I doubt anyone cares, but yeah. No. So my point was, even in the those precious Guardians of the Galaxy movies. The villains are no different. It's just because they got fucking Kurt Russell, who even though like it was under a lot of CGI, but I think Syrian Hines is a pretty cool dude. It's just his voice, but I like him. Uh, that's another thing. There was a lot of CGI in this. That's w- what we're moving into next. Um, the CGI. Too much, man. Too, too much. It's so distracting sometimes. Like there, the opening scene is a scene with uh, Batman uh, fighting like a parademon. And there's a scene where he jumps on the parademon and it's like a close up of their two faces. And it just looks so fucking like unnatural and uh, like not good. You know, it, it was just gross. You're like, ugh. I think and that, that, I remember that's Dylan, what a lot of the movie is. Dylan was saying there's a fight scene between like a parademon and Batman that's like really like ridiculously bad or, so, or maybe i don't know maybe it was superman i don't think there's any that are ridiculously bad but the cgi is really bad and uh i'll, I'll get to the big cgi thing soon but so after the movie me and my buddy hammy we're we're sitting in the theater watching the credits roll by and uh there is like nine or ten effects teams on this movie 
and I'm that's not an exaggeration. There's at least nine, and each of them had about like I want to say like 200 people credited. They they had in uh, rows of three tightly packed and it just went on for like that was the entire credits and it was one after the other after the other and we were sitting there like man it's like this seems like a lot of effects uh studios working on this fucking movie um it seemed weird uh but anyways the cgi doesn't look good um anywhere uh which brings me to the big thing uh mr henry cavill and his cgi uh (laughs) fucking uh weird face super strainer yeah um so it's very it's very very obvious you can tell uh you can tell which scene there's and it's weird too there's only like so i know like he's in the movie enough yeah like i don't know maybe 15 minutes 15 20 minutes he's in this movie and uh out of the 15 20 minutes i think there's two minutes of that is where it's clear he didn't have the mustache so the rest of it it was all reshoots because it's him with the mustache so, which makes me think too, it's like, because there's the scenes where he doesn't have the mustache, right? And it's a scene that like fits in earlier on to where it, where it ends up. So it's like, what were they reshooting? Because in like, yeah, like, you know, it's like, what did they reshoot? Because it sounds like a lot of what was reshot was like to bring some uh, levity to it and make things fun and light and stuff like that, which, uh, he does drop some mad jokes, uh, old Superman in this. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's pretty obvious. It's pretty distracting. Uh, I saw a fun thing yesterday about a guy, um, on the effects team that like, uh, he, he was verified. So it seems like he's credible. He was on the original effects team that was like tasked to take off the mustache. And, uh, he was saying, he was, he was saying how they were sentence. talking to yeah they were talking to who makes the mission impossible is like paramount or something they yeah, were talking yeah. to that place and they, they like they did a bunch of examples for them to like show them how it would be way way easier for him to wear a fake mustache mm-hmm. and like how you would ne- like they're like they did it for free they're like look how much easier it would be if he just had a fake mustache mm-hmm. and they're like no it's like it's in his contract he think, doesn't well, have to do I see, it i think that's like studios fucking with each other yeah, oh, for sure. Right? It's like, for yeah, sure. we're going to cost you like a million bucks to like fix this. Well, it's it's all anyone can talk about with this thing too, right? So I guess it worked because uh, it cost millions and millions of dollars. And uh, so the guy was saying how they did a few scenes where they edited it out. And they're like, we, they're like, we were actually pretty happy with it. We thought we did a good job. And then they watched the movie. And the very first scene is like a, a video clip of a kid with a cell phone interviewing Superman like before he dies. Mm-hmm. And he's like... He's like, they're like, what's up, Superman? And he's like, hello, kids. And then his like top lip like just goes <laughs> way farther smiling up than a human could. And you're just like, whoa, you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> and um, and uh, the, the, the effects guy was like, we didn't do that. Like the whole team looked at each other and they're like, who did they get to do this thing? And it's like, that is so bad. Mm-hmm. So um. There's stuff like that too. Like that was his mustache is pretty bad. It's pretty embarrassing. That upper lip, baby. Yeah, that upper lip thing. Um, I don't know, man. So there's scenes like that that are pretty pretty bad. Um, are you aware that there is a campaign from some of these DC fanboy types who like need to support the these the heroes? the superheroes because they've always been there for them. So they're saying that uh, fans should go see this movie six times each. 
um, to like help help the box office. I don't think it's gonna help anymore, guys. Um, yeah, uh, I think that ship sailed. I think it's over. Like it's fine. Yeah. I, I think this like the DC universe is just gonna get a nice soft restart. Uh, yep. and they're just going to continue from there. Yeah. So here, like, this is not news. This is not my ideas or anything like, well, okay. Um, so people have been talking about that for a while. Uh, Aquaman is already filmed. It's in the can, so they can't just not release it. Mm-hmm. I think it has to come out. Uh, but what a lot of people are talking about is, uh, the next one slated was like Shazam and then flash, I think. And a lot of people are saying how with flash, they'll just kind of do that soft reset where they'll keep the things that work. They'll keep Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. I I think they won't even touch her story. She'll be fine. Uh, They'll keep, I think, Aquaman because I think he was actually pretty good. I think they'll keep everyone and they'll just replace Ben Affleck. Yeah. Which seems like what they want to do. So they'll replace Ben Affleck. They'll replace all the Batman stuff because people hated Suicide Squad and people don't. And Ben Affleck doesn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. So they'll they'll just reset it. They'll try to start over and without Batman and start fresh on that. Which I guess I mean it's not the worst idea. Okay. You might as well with how it's going, but I don't know. I've been talking for a long time. Yep. I, I feel like it took up a lot of this episode, but. Uh, we had to talk about Justice League, so there you go. It's now been addressed. It's now it it's it's done, guys. It's done. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Hey, did you watch any movies, or is this the uh, or is this the end of the episode forever? Uh, well, uh, I did watch some movies, but I have to get to uh, a couple emails that I forgot about. Ooh, shit. Uh, we should have talked about them way earlier. Way earlier, but but you wanted to move on and start because we had nothing I going know. on in our week. Uh, I know. Well, Oliver, uh, he got back to us mentioning that uh, he went to a screening of Suspiria in like this like amazing theater in oh, New cool. Zealand where he got, I guess, uh, oh, God, yeah. And it's like, I saw photos of this and it's like, wow, what a fucking theater. And apparently Goblin was there doing a live soundtrack. What? <laughs> yeah. It's like this crazy thing. But the fucking kicker, RJ, is even there laughing hipsters. Oh no! <laughs> even with Goblin there, even with the fucking Goblin. Oh man, they're, they're there playing, and <laughs> um, well, that's sad. And she sent a link as well of a guy's review, uh, who uh, Oliver describes the reviewer as a cockhole. <laughs> cockhole, <laughs> a cockhole. Um, but wow. uh, yeah, I read the guy's review. The guy is so mad, so mad. <laughs> um, nice. Well, Oliver, of course, also sent uh, us an email. Uh, calling me a racist fuck. <laughs> nice. What did you do? Uh, because last week, RJ, when we were talking about Good Morning, uh, yeah. I-, I confused uh, an actor with another actor. You fucking racist. Yeah. I'm a bad, bad man because uh, mm-hmm. I guess it's Chishu Ryu and uh, Takashi Shimura, Shimura. They are different human beings. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they are not the same man. Um, yeah. And I, in, Oliver says that I'm a piece of shit for thinking all Chinese people look the same. And I laughed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, yeah. so Chishirayu is the Ozu guy. And uh, Takashi Shimura, uh, who's a Kiru and in, like all the Kurosawa stuff. They are not the same man. I can't believe you did that. I mean, I know that yeah. that distinction. But it makes like, sense in hindsight because, like, yeah, there there are different studios, and I think I was thinking of that at the time because I'm like, I thought one was uh, Shochiku or and the other one's like Toho. So I was like, oh, that's odd. But now all, <laughs> all is right. A lot of backpedal in here. Mm-hmm. 
hey, we gotta unbelievable. Got to own up to it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's out of the way. Thanks, Oliver, for keeping us on the straight and narrow, outing us. <laughs> me, mm-hmm. not RJ, me. Um, so I watched <laughs> Man on the Moon again. Um, oh, did you? Yeah, we watched that. Nice. Because uh, it had been years since I'd seen it last. And mm-hmm. it was very similar to the last time I watched it where I was like, I don't love this movie as much as I did when I watched this when I was like in high school. Uh, mm-hmm. It's got some real clunky biopic stuff going on that is like, it's hard to get past at times. There's like still like, mm-hmm. it's like overall, like I think a good movie, um, but... It's definitely not without fault. It's got some 90s niche too. It's like how it's depicting the 70s and 80s. Uh, mm-hmm. It's definitely not the best Milos Forman movie. Uh, not by not by any more measure. Uh, so it was like, I don't know. I think I like the uh, Jim and Andy documentary more than Man on the Moon now, which is kind hmm. of strange. Um, I think that is strange. Mm-hmm. I, was surprised I think you too. are strange. I am strange. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. So that was kind of like, oh, eye opening and some like, but the last time I'd watched it, I I'd also kind of noticed that some of like the, the, the filmmaking was like a little sloppy or I just felt like very like, mm-hmm. like end scene and then jump to the next scene. Like there's no transitions like for gracefully between like the time leaps and like segments. It's just yeah. like, and then this happens and then this happens and then this happens. Um, and like actually watching it too, I actually don't think Jim Carrey is a great Andy Kaufman. I don't okay. know. This, this seems like maybe that's controversial. Just like yeah, that's having fine. having watched like a, like actual Andy Kaufman footage since watching Man on the Moon, because like back in 1999, there wasn't like that many like outside of some VHS tapes, there wasn't a lot of ways to watch it. But now with YouTube, mm-hmm. like there's like so much Kaufman stuff available. <clears throat> and like having watched it and watched like some like period like documentaries he did like when he was doing the wrestling stuff, and, like seeing how he sounds and moves, it's like Jim Carrey is not a great fit. Like, because Andy Kaufman was like kind of a thick set guy and like Jim Carrey mm-hmm. is so lean. Like, that guy's, like, I don't think Jim Carrey's ever been like heavy in anything he's ever done. So it's like just physically, he's yeah. not quite right. I'm like in hindsight, and I'm like, you know, maybe a Vincent D'Onofrio would like physically fit the uh, the Andy Kaufman thing. But um, yeah, but like, and just like thinking back to like the Jim and Andy documentary, mm-hmm. that's like that behind the scenes footage stuff is like pretty interesting. Uh, on the DVD of The Man on the Moon, it's got a featurette on it that's got like little slivers of that footage that they were shooting, but like yeah. there's no acknowledgement whatsoever that uh, Jim was going full method actor. Uh, and everyone's just like doing all the hand waving thing. Uh, Jim Carrey's got those late 90s sideburns. Uh, and they're just like talking about what a great time mm-hmm. it was and a celebration of uh, Andy Kaufman's <clears throat> life. It's just like. Uh, takes me back to those kind of like vapid uh, DVD special features that were like mainstays for like a long time. And now mm-hmm. people don't even watch things on disc. They just watch it on Netflix and there's no special features or commentaries or anything like that. So yeah, now on the moon, watch that again. Uh, I, f- I finished up the, uh, the N word Charlie trilogy. The what? The N word Charlie trilogy, which actually mm. uh, I-, I forgot about. Uh, they actually have a, uh, uh, what do you call politically correct branding names now? Because there's the soul of oh. Black Charlie. Uh, and then the mm. previous one was the legend of Black Charlie. And I'm not sure if Boss N Word became Boss Black. Uh, I think that's a rapper. Yeah, Boss Black. Yeah. Yeah, I believe Bl- Boss N Word. I think like Nas wanted to have that as a title. And then, like, the mm-hmm. record company was like, no. 
somebody had that. Uh, yeah. Or wanted to use that. It's a great Maybe t- that'll it's be great, our it's band. A, it's a great title. I mean, I think you even had it on your watch list because it's like, I did? you're like, what's this about? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the soul of Black Charlie, uh, the copy we watched, like there's these movies are not available. Paramount uh, does not like really want to put any effort into restoring these and making them uh, available, even though they're like they're not yeah. particularly offensive or anything like that beyond like that word. Um, but like the movies themselves are just like, Oh, they're like kind of a mix of black exploitation and Westerns. That's mm-hmm. about it. Nothing too crazy. Uh, it's kind of hard to get. Were gate. they good? Nah, soul, soul was not <clears throat> so great. Uh, I'd say boss was definitely the best of the three. Overall, mm-hmm. uh, Boss has actually a real sense of humor to it, and it's like kind of trashy and uh, just overall like the most entertaining. Because even like the yeah. legend was um, like pretty straightforward, um, but kind of didn't. I don't know. It was okay. Like those two are good. Uh, Soul is like pretty skippable, at least until like a, maybe a better version comes out. But mm-hmm. I don't know if if the idea of a black exploitation western appeals to you, to watch watch them. But I mean, I wouldn't go out of your way either. <clears throat> Truth mm-hmm. be told, um, okay. And then I watched a, a movie called La Grande Buffet. Uh, this, this is a movie that Arrow Video put out. Uh, it's been on my radar for a while. This is not an RJ pick at all. Oh, um, what did they do now? Well, <laughs> it's Italian. Uh, oh, those it's, fucks. Yeah, it's start. It's yeah. It's like it's kind of like a more mm, probably a more appetizing salo like it's very similar could you describe what you mean by that like i think more i think you could watch this movie and not like be like absolutely horrified Mm -hmm. and just be like what the fuck am i watching why does this exist this movie is like it has the exact same sort of idea it's like here here's like four men that are like representative of like institutions in italy and they're all corrupt and they're they're not doing anything for society they go to a house and they Mm -hmm. just shack up and they're going to like eat food until they die that is that is their that's their plan like they're eat but they're like the ones like a He's like really practicing the kitchen. And he's making all these like crazy dishes that they're all eating, and this yeah. you don't know this going into the movie that this is the plan. But they're just all four of these guys that are like friends. They've been doing this like once a year for years, and this is going to be the last one they ever do. And they're just going to eat themselves to death, eating really rich food until they can no longer eat and they keel over and die. Hmm. Um, and like that sounds pretty cool. It's like I I like the movie quite a bit actually. Like I think it's quite good. Yeah. I, I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if you would fly with you um well that's kind of how i've been you have delicate sensibilities rj yeah this is true but uh, that's kind of how i live my own life so (laughs) no there there are scenes in this that are like pretty like fucking hard to watch because you're like you start getting really sick at the fact Mm -hmm. that they're just eating all this food and you're like wait the actors had to eat this and like like how long did like how long did they shoot this movie for like how much Mm -hmm. food did were they are they actually eating or like vomit like are they like purging after eating like like puree like after like just giant piles of everything you're like oh like it starts just getting like hard to watch so it's like there's like endurance level stuff but there is a scene that's like pure rj uh involving an exploding toilet of just of just shit and it's like so and it stars the the star of eight and a half la dolce vitae all uh uh, marco himself just getting fucking dumped on and just like so mad and i'm like oh this scene is like i wonder what they used for the shit and uh man it's like it's pretty like oh 
Because it's, it's house. Because they're in this really great looking house, but over time mm-hmm. it just starts getting worse and worse. There is also butt kissing in this movie. Oh, my kind of butt kissing. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, because yeah, the uh, Marco he's got a he's he's got a late he, he's got a thing he's just like has to fuck women all the time. So mm-hmm. it's like he's like I can't do this if I can't like have sex with Been women. There. So they get some prostitutes, uh, and then like yeah. this one like school teacher that like they happen to like bring these kids through for like a tour of this like historic house. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I think this movie. It's definitely on the like it's like art house dark Italian cinema, but it's like mm-hmm. I'd say uh, it's like two hours. God, it's over two hours. It's just a little bit over two hours long, but like I found it like very watchable and stuff like that. And like for like such like a weird premise that's like kind of like oh I don't know how I could watch this. It's mm-hmm. like easy enough to watch, but it's um, it's filthy. It's in mm. that it's in that nebula of like Sid and Nancy, but like actually with likable characters. Uh, but like oh, okay. but but the look of it is very similar where it gets grubby and yeah. uh, but yeah, like the characters are like types, but like the actors are quite mm-hmm. good and there's nothing like they don't do anything absolutely we were like horrified. Like I kept thinking like things were gonna get to cannibalism and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I was like, really shocked by this. It didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen. Mm. They they don't go that route. They fucking backed out of it, yeah. huh? Yeah. There are some, like, pretty, like, when they're, like, loading up, like, all the, like, uh, meat that they're going to be eating, there's, like, mm-hmm. a meat truck that pulls up, and, like, they're just hauling out fucking animals out of the back of this truck that are mm. dead. But it's, like, yeah, there's, like, there's a nice uh, cow head, and it's, like, oh, there's some hamleting <laughs> with the head. Um, and it's, oh, like, and you're just, dear. like, oh. Well, that sounds less appealing. <laughs> I don't think I will watch this one with you, Jared. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to watch this one with me? Well, you like to rewatch all your movies again with me, right? Yeah, that's right. But People so, don't know that, but that's how we yeah, do things. Like I said, RJ, not an RJ pick. Um, okay. And then I watched uh, Modern Romance starring one of my mm-hmm. boys, Albert Brooks. Uh, I've been like slowly getting to watching these Albert Brooks movies that he made. Mm-hmm. Like That like he kind of gets forgotten about, I guess, is like a... Uh, comedian kind of director who's making his own stuff and like every time I watch one of these I'm like why do people not talk about this more Um, broadcast news is in the Criterion Collection as is his movie Lost in America Mm -hmm. Uh, Lost in America I like actually quite a bit Uh, his like first movie Real Life I think is like great and Modern Romance is like kind of like right in between those three two Mm -hmm. whatever Uh, yeah Modern Romance it's good uh, it, it all depends, I guess, how you feel about Albert Brooks. Uh, are you familiar with Albert Brooks when I say Albert Brooks? You mean the uh, hit actor uh, who was in Finding Nemo? Yes. And yeah, uh, the, the, the voice of Hank Scorpio. Oh, yeah. And uh, your favorite movie, Drive. Yep. Yeah. I'm familiar with Mr. Albert Brooks. Yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I know him. But I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff with him. So. No, I don't think a lot of people have. It's too, yeah. it's too bad because, I don't know, I think he's pretty cool. Sounds all right to me. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I'd say, hey, folks, if you like Woody Allen and you want, like, the West Coast version of Woody Allen, uh, yeah. check out more Albert Brooks. Get him in your I'd, life. He's good. I'd rather not. <laughs> Uh, and then RJ, I did we, uh-huh. did, we did we did a double feature of uh, what? scumbags. Uh, what do you mean? I don't know if you've heard RJ, but like lately in the last month or so, there's been a lot of scandalized <laughs> actors and directors and Hollywood types. Uh, I thought that just was part of making it. 
making oh making is this a step to like being successful in the business yeah okay um anyway uh i watched two movies uh one Mm -hmm. starring and one directed by uh some creep bags uh the first one was a movie called fingers directed by james toback starring harvey keitel um so this is a movie that like been on my radar because there's the one movie and it's got like an odd title like the the beat that my heart skipped. It's like a French movie and it was a remake of this. Um, and like my uh, friend of mine, he likes things like he says it's like one of his favorite movies of all time. And uh, I was always like, well, I'll watch that sometime, but I'd like to watch Fingers mm-hmm. first because I like that Harvey Keitel. It's this movie's like set in like grimy New York, um, and then it's like directed by that like this James Toback guy. I'm like, oh, he directed that uh, Tyson documentary from ages ago. And like he's mm-hmm. buddies with Robert Downey Jr., but now his name's associated with being like a world class like grossed man, with like I think three hundred women accusing him of like sexual creepiness. So he's almost at your numbers. Ah, uh, <laughs> take so, that, Jared. So fingers is weird. Um, yeah, I think i like this movie i think it's got some mm-hmm. interesting stuff going on like it's very clearly feels like a guy who really liked martin scorsese's movies and he's mm-hmm. like i'm gonna do that too because i guess his first pick to play this lead actor was robert de niro and then of course he wasn't around so we got harvey Keitel instead the other yeah. part of mean streets and so this movie's like about a guy who's like his dad is a like gangster and he is a debt collector for him but on the flip side, he's also wanting to be like a classically trained piano player. Who like will play <laughs> Carnegie Hall. Fitting mm-hmm. after watching Man on the Moon. Um, and so like you have this like guy who's like also a creep who likes to like just like corner women and like force himself on them and work his way mm. th- work his way through the no uh, and get his way, which is strange now that we know more about James Toback. Um, yeah. So yeah, this movie is very peculiar, very seventies. Uh, elliptical editing at times. It doesn't really have much of a plot uh, other than just following this like kind of like hard to like, hard to relate to man going about mm-hmm. his life, uh, collecting money from people and uh, banging women and playing the piano very intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then it gets really intensely violent, which is like pretty nice. Uh, it's got like appearances by like, Danny Alo and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's okay. It's, it's pretty easy to like not recommend because it's like, hey, do you want to watch a James Toback movie? Most people go, no thanks. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, you're probably not missing out. If you're like into like 70s cinema and like dirty New York movies, I'd say you should watch it at some point. But there's like a lot of dirty 70s movies you could probably watch beforehand. That's about what I'll give mm-hmm. it. The other movie I watched uh, starring a scumbag, uh, James Woods in the movie Cop. Um, so this number is, uh, it's based on a James Elroy novel and it's mm-hmm. a James Elroy novel I've not read. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. This movie is like, sounds cool. It's about James Woods hunting a serial killer. This must be neat, but yeah, I don't know. I don't think anyone who wrote this screenplay seemed to know what cop work means and like what, mm-hmm. how investigations actually happen. Uh, maybe it's like, now that we live in a world like post homicide life on the street and the wire, like David Simon stuff and like 
thousands of hours of cop television that like even though they're not really close to cop shows either we kind of know how it works but this guy mm-hmm. like working a case by himself and like just he's like going to like murder scenes before like officers who have secured a scene like he's the first there and finding it on his own he's like just smoking in the room it's just it's very uh cartoonishly hollywood serial killer cop stuff i don't know um so you're saying you liked it yeah i'm pretty there's like moments in it that are pretty cool like the the actual Mm -hmm. uh like murder scenes are like kind of like surprisingly shockingly violent i guess for like a movie that like doesn't feel like it would have scenes like those um but there's like Mm -hmm. strange like dynamics of like uh what the suspect is really into feminist poetry (laughs) And oh, so he goes on. to a feminist bookstore and there's like a scene where he's like macking on the feminist bookstore owner and she's like responding to it. And then she, ugh, it's, it's so, I don't know, man, I don't know what to make of this movie. Uh, so I don't know. You could probably skip it. Uh, I plan to yeah, skip this movie. There's, Jared. There's, there's not much to talk about on it other than yeah. uh, James Woods is uh, a, a crazy right wing, like Russian bot on Twitter. Um, and like, apparently he has no problems like wanting to bang like 15, 16 year old girls or something like that. And, uh, he, he won, he asks aloud, whatever happened to due process? (laughs) Hmm. This is above my pay grade. Yeah. Such things. Yeah. Uh, I guess the other thing I wanted to talk about since we're talking and talking and talking is Mm -hmm. I have dipped my toe into watching some new Canadian new wave movies. I'm unfamiliar with this genre. Well, that's best because it's a friend Mike and I made it up. My friend, like in the last Mm, few days. It's just one of those weird things you do when you do. Weird things. When I'm supposed to be at work doing other things and then I start having conversations about stuff. Yep. Pretty Uh much. So, well, it's kind of just this idea of like, at one point there was a Canadian new wave. Uh, This was actually discussed way back when, like when we were talking about Picnic at Hanging Rock and about how all Mm -hmm. these like colonial uh, countries had like these like emergences of like new waves in like the 70s and 80s because all these governments were trying to like push back against Hollywoodizing of their countries and their culture. And so they like Mm -hmm. dumped a bunch of money into like film reform and actually creating film industries and what wound up happening is the most successful people from all of those countries just wound up going to Hollywood to make real movies mm-hmm. um, most recently uh, we just had that happen in Canada uh, basically Anglo Canada does not really have much of a track record in the last couple decades of like producing uh, Hollywood level talent to direct movies mm-hmm. but Quebec, uh, Quebec does because Franco Canada actually does like support their culture. So uh, Denny Villeneuve is probably the most famous, easily uh, probably modern Canadian director, I think. Even though I don't even know people know necessarily he's French Canadian. They might just assume he's a French guy. Um, So the thing that Mike and I were talking about, and Mike actually brought this up initially, was just like this idea of like, like what is the style of like current like Canadian independent movies? which, I mean, I'm not sure how much you want to call them independent because all of them are, like, based getting money from uh, government grants and stuff like that, which are me- <laughs> measly. Uh, actually, this started because uh, my friend Mike, who is uh, a filmmaker, posted this article that Telefilm, which is, like, one of the funding bodies for, like, Canadian film, uh, they just... 
they listen to this director of a, one of the movies I've watched of his now because he says that like telefilm is like not helping anybody. They just like help the same old people make movies that nobody watches time and time again. And mm-hmm. uh, I guess like telefilm responded by saying, "Hey, guy, thirty two year old, you should come and tell us what you want to see happen." So they made this announcement that like they're changing up their grant system where they're going to create a thing where like fifty filmmakers are are going to get like a grant for like $125,000, which well, that sounds like a lot of money, but when you mm-hmm. go to when you go to make a movie, <laughs> it's really nothing. That doesn't really pay fucking anything. Um unless you like really have to limit what type of movie you make. And so uh Mike and I were talking about this and just talking about like kind of what new movies are coming out in Canada because I'm sure RJ like me, uh you probably don't really think about Canadian movies getting made in your own country and you probably don't really watch them unless you actually decided I'm going to watch a Canadian movie which nobody does anywhere. I don't know. I watch Fubar and Trailer Park Boys all the time. Yeah, uh, yes, you did. Um cuz mm-hmm. th- those are the exceptions, really. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's like once in a while and it's usually um and it falls into like loser cinema. That's the one thing that Canada seems to specialize uh, in is like Trailer Park Boys is like probably our from like a visual video kind of standpoint, Trailer Park Boys probably is like the biggest the best export. Um it's weird cuz like Canada mm-hmm. actually has like music that like crosses out beyond our borders and is successful but in the movie world i started looking up so my friend mike created a list of these movies uh and you, you click on some of these and you start reading the reviews and it seems like people like when they want to slam a movie they go yeah this canadian movie <laughs> like it's <laughs> like oh like i don't know and so and we all know what that kind of means like in in canada people go oh mm-hmm. boy this is a it's real Canadian, Canadian. <laughs> and, you're, and it's, I don't know what that what that, I don't know what that means for other people outside of the country. And in fact, this is a call to our listeners uh, that are from abroad. What do you think of Canadian movies? Do you even think about it? Because um, we do have an industry that apparently does export movies. But well, there's there's two cares. foo bars. Yeah, there's there are and two bars and some. There's park three movies. Trailer Park Boy movies. So yep. they make other stuff too. Like, do you remember Bon Cop, Bad Cop? Oh, men. I remember men, Bon Cop, men, Bad men, Cop, Men with Brooms. Uh, yeah, I remember. I, I rented that on VHS. Yep. Yeah, there's these types of like comedies that like try, that kind of emerge and like see the even Bon Cop, Bad Cop. Uh, that was a. Like more of a Quebec movie, really, than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's did, it's depressing. Did you know, there's a Bon Cop, Bad Cop two. Yep, coming out. Uh, yeah, because then there was the remake, Good Cop, Bad Cop, or, or Bad Bon Cop, and there's like the English-anglicized version. Oh God. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. So this this is what we're stuck with. We I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm curious if anybody has an opinion about Canadian film they'd like to share because I'd be uh, it would probably just confirm what I assume because it seems like yeah uh, no one wants to watch Canadian things because when they do they're like second rung like they feel like oh I could watch like a better version of this elsewhere <laughs> uh, which brings me to two movies I'll talk about uh, one called Diamond Tongues mm-hmm. uh, this movie was directed by who I've seen described as the Canada's Noah Baumbach, uh, oh, a man no. named uh, Pavan Mundi. Uh, so this is a movie set in Toronto, uh, mm-hmm. starring a, a woman from the band, like it's called like Jul- July Band Seven or something like that. I don't care. Uh, 
she's basically playing Greta Gerwig in Francis Ha. She is mm-hmm. a actor who wants to be an actor, but doesn't like have any of the like abilities to like do it. Like she doesn't put any of the work and basic effort in that you need to be an mm-hmm. actor, of, even in Canada, which is like not impressive at all. Uh, but all her friends are more successful than her. And this is just a story about this like woman kind of being self-destructive, doing stupid things, uh, lying to mm-hmm. people. Uh, basically, this is like almost in vagabond territory. So I was thinking like, oh, RJ wouldn't like this movie at all or this character. <laughs> but most people wouldn't. Like she's like, there's, yeah. not, there's not a lot of like likable characteristics about her. But then they decide, and this is where I kind of like, I actually kind of like this movie up to this point. Like the movie's like well shot. It's like not badly made or anything like that like it's done cheap but it's okay but then they decide at the very end of this movie to like oh she realizes she's been a bad person and now she's going to give a speech to somebody apologizing and then she's Mm. going to get her life straight this seems like really uh strange to me because it's like why don't you just stick with it like if you made a character that's like a piece of shit and like probably Mm -hmm. suffers from like some mental illness or personality disorder those people don't just just turn a switch on and be like i'm better now and now i'm going to be a good person and then those acting jobs are going to start coming my way and everything's going to turn out great because we don't want to send people out on a bummer note it's like no like don't Mm -hmm. like it's like trying to make this movie marketable even though it's about a character that like most people are going to be like, I don't like this person at all. But I mean, the types of people who are going to be going out of their way to even watch this movie, uh, I guess would probably be okay with that type of character, but they're not good people anyways. So, (laughs) well, they're just like people, I guess, trying to support Canadian cinema and I guess they're, and they're pretty bad people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so there's one really great scene in this movie that, that totally jumps out and that, uh, rang true is there's a scene where like we're watching her watch some like short film that she shot for a director, uh, Mm -hmm. that she worked on like a year earlier. And it's like, so she's, they're standing around and they're watching this like premiere and it's a premiere for a movie that is very bad. Uh, and like she realizes watching it, like, that she's not that good of an actor. And there's all these people standing around who are like watching it. And there's like all these shots of them just smirking and like knowing it's like pretty bad. And there's like the shot of the director who's like, he's got his eyes closed and he's just like, yeah, this movie's so good. Like there's that, which is like funny, but at the same time, the movie captures um, the cruelty of Canadian politeness where like an experience I have living here, my whole life is that people mm-hmm. don't necessarily tell you if something you're doing is bad because mm-hmm. they don't want to hurt your feelings. And it would be mean to like tell you that something is bad. So they just kind of like, if they don't like it, they're kind of like, Oh my God, this is really bad. But when it comes time mm-hmm. to like applaud, they do. And then they'll be like, that was really good. Yeah. You should keep doing this. And it's like, no, <laughs> it's like, that was, that was very real to me. And I'm like, yep, yeah. that's uh, that was like a really well done moment in this movie, which yeah, I uh, all the movies you talked about. That's really good. Um, it's really well done. I um, I can't wait to hear more. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're great at this podcast. You, you talked for forty minutes about just. I know. Sleep. I'm just. I'm, I'm playing <laughs> off your joke. All right, bro. Uh huh. All right. So, uh, the last movie oh. I will talk about uh-huh. is the Dirties which is directed uh, by Matt Johnson, the young man who put telefilm on notice saying that like mm-hmm. they're failing Canadian filmmakers in like the craft of film. Uh, Matt Johnson's directed, I guess two feature films. And now he's like working on some like TV webisode things 
for Vice that people yeah. are on about called like Nirvana the band the movie or something like that and yeah. like it's all mockumentary stuff and yeah. I I I kind of just hate mockumentary stuff this like pseudo found footage stuff because usually it doesn't make any sense like this mm-hmm. movie it's like a it's like described as a comedy it's a like it's a movie that's building toward a school shooting. <laughs> and, okay. Yeah. So it's funny. Uh, no, it's it's about these two these two guys that are like dorks that are like really into like movies that high school kids are into when they're in high school. Like they're like they quote Pulp Fiction still, but it's like all the references seem a little off to me. But like then they're like, oh, then they're really into like Heath Ledger Joker and all this stuff like that. They, 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 there's like casual comments about comics and like magic cards and they want to make movies and they want to make a movie that's essentially like a uh, revenge movie against the bullies at their school. Mm-hmm. Um, so Matt Johnson, who was like, I think probably 31 when he made this, he plays the main character who's like 17. Um, he can like kind of pull it off because he's quite the doe face. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but like he is so annoying. Like the, the every everything about this movie is extremely annoying. Um, before watching it, I didn't realize that uh, Kevin Smith helped like finish financing this movie and then distribute it. And he says this is like one of the most important movies you'll see all year. Um, which is like I, if I'd known that, I would have just skipped it. But no, I, I decided I watched the whole movie just because, mm-hmm. like, I might as well to know if it gets any better or anything like that. But yeah, uh, this movie fucking sucks. I, I hate it. Um, and nice. he apparently made, like, some, like, a movie about the moon landing hoax to, as a follow-up to this called, like, Operation Avalanche, I think. And it's, like, another mockumentary thing. And I'm just like, nope, I don't want that either. Like... I just, I don't know. What's the point of like, you can shoot a movie handheld and just like call it a day and make it a movie. You don't have to be like, Hey, wait, my microphone's not working. And like bumping on your microphone to remind the audience. So look, it's a found footage film being filmed by invisible people that we're addressing. And like, we have to like keep commenting on, man, isn't this weird? And then you have characters saying, Oh, am I going crazy? (laughs) Which is like, Hmm. just hack, hack shit. So it's good. Yeah. It's what you mean. Yeah. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jared. Yeah. This is why I don't watch movies like that. You watch Safe Bets, like Never Been Kissed, and Sorceress, yep. and she's all that. Hey, Sorceress was pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you'll, you, you'll see whenever you watch Sorceress. Which I won't. Um, but I, I, uh-huh. I, I did see that uh, some people have been watching Vampirella lately, and they've all been, been big fans. Who? Because they're wrong. Or you're wrong. Who you you tell me who liked Vampirella and I'll tell you why and how they're wrong. I don't know. Some people. The sorceress was good though. Okay. Hey, RJ, got any news? <laughs> Not really. I don't think. All, all my I got two news bits. Uh, all about yep. showrunners. One of my favorite oh, words. Uh, looks like Brian Fuller has left another television show. Uh, mm, he seems to be the problem. Hey, he, he has left American Gods. Um, yeah. If people recall, I believe he also left that Star Trek. He did before they even yeah. start, like, made their first episode. So, mm-hmm. see, yeah, everybody wanted that Hannibal, but then mm-hmm. they realized, wait a minute, I don't want just like slow motion blood droplets falling. And uh, so he does. Here we go. And I, I, uh, I actually saw this. I, I heard that the reason was because they wanted more money. But uh, apparently those American God episodes are like, 
this sounded high, but it said that the, each episode was ten million already, and they wanted more than that. Holy fuck! <laughs> so I, I saw that, and I was like, that seems a bit high for an episode. Jesus, uh, I, I'll, I'll go see if I can find this and confirm. Mm. Or at least tell you where I saw this so that uh, I'm not coming off like a complete nut well, bar. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe that's not as crazy. I don't like because like Game of Thrones, like those episodes are expensive, but like you really see it because it's like they're shooting on locations and yeah. stuff like that and like the scale and the costuming and stuff like that. And yeah, all the actors. Because uh, like, I just was like when I was reading about like Canadian stuff today, uh, mm-hmm. I was like, I just saw like Kenny versus Spenny. Uh, those season one episodes according to like Kenny Hotz in some interview from, 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 from years ago he said that like those episodes still cost a hundred thousand dollars each how because of equipment or what I guess like all the costs that you would associate with like you have to like pay people right and yeah. it's like even if they're shooting like one episode I, I don't know it's really yeah. weird to me like I had a hard time gathering <clears throat> that because RJ when I, I mm-hmm. also I was also looking up another day I'll get into this I was looking up budgets for other movies and a ghost story that movie cost a hundred thousand dollars to make which well, is that show that movie looked amazing though yeah i know so... and it's like in kenny versus benny in 2003 mm-hmm. with two guys and like two film crews per and maybe a producer and like i don't know maybe that because they're shooting in toronto and like they're shooting in this house they had all these ridiculous things and like it's stupid yeah. it's like all the stupid canadian infrastructure and unions and crap but like yeah, yeah they shot ghost story for 100k and that movie like huh. is like this beautiful gesture and it's like oh and then fucking american gods episodes are 10 million a piece okay no i found it show. for you okay so uh the split is said to be the result of clashing between the creative duo and production company Fremantle media after fuller and green pushed to increase the series already substantial budget with the season two per episode budget reportedly nearing 10 million wow no replacements have been named, uh, and it appears uh, – it looks like most of the scripts for season two have already been written, so they don't need them anymore. No. That's nuts, man. Because – so <laughs> that first season cost uh, fucking almost like $80 million to make? Yeah. That's and, crazy. And, and nobody, that, and nobody liked it. <laughs> it's it's not good. No. Um my other uh, showrunner news is uh, Andrew Kreisberg, uh, who show ran Supergirl in The Flash. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's been suspended because he's a pervo of some sort. Mm, just like Matt Lauer, hey? Allegedly. Oh. I like saying yeah. that. I know. Well, it makes you a sympathizer. Allegedly, for all these sexual assailants, yeah. they're gonna be like, they're gonna start supporting the show. They'll be like, yeah, man, that creep Jarrett, he's the only one who understands us. That's right. You got to tap into that MRA. Uh, was it the, the, the uh, no cells? The dudes that like abstain from women. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. You would know. <laughs> that came out really like blunt, but I was like, you would know better than I would because yeah. I don't, I don't care about that stuff. <laughs> so. You're not fascinated by subcultures. You're I'm just, not woke you're, you're to butt, it. Butts and dumps. Butts. Hey, but let's let's face it though. Who's really coming out on top? <laughs> All right, RJ. We've got a movie to talk about. Do we? Mm, yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah, another one. Uh, so mm. after the break, uh, we're going to help out poor ugly women and turn them into proper ladies. Sex criminals. 
And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast, and we're talking about Pygmalion from 1938, directed by Anthony Asquith and Leslie Howard. Uh, from Letterboxd, the uh, tagline for this movie, he picked up a girl from the gutter and changed her into a glamorous society but butterfly. See Wendy Hiller, new star discovery, in this amazing role. And the uh, in-depth synopsis, as always, from Letterboxd, <laughs> Henry Higgins is an upper-class phonetics professor who encounters low-class gutter snipe Eliza Doolittle and bets his friend, Colonel Pickering, that he can pass her off as a duchess within three months. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. That's the whole thing. Pretty informative, if you ask me. Yeah, it lays it out. Um, mm-hmm. So, RJ, uh, last week, Yo. I think I said, hey, we're watching something called Pygmalion this uh, <laughs> next week, whatever that means. I kind of knew what it was because there's been so many iterations of this story uh, over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if I've really seen any of them exactly. Uh, I just kind of know that they're out there. Uh, such films as Pretty Woman uh, mm-hmm. one, being one of those. Uh, and most recently, The Duff. And yeah. uh, one the one film that I did watch that uh, basically is a straight-up remake of it is uh, My Fair Lady, mm-hmm. which I suffered through for all of us. Um, so Well, you, you may have suffered through My Fair Lady, but I watched Pretty Woman and She's All That. <laughs> So who's yeah. really coming out here? Well, RJ, uh, to begin with, uh, so this movie is uh, an adaptation of a play written by one Bernard Shaw, uh, written mm-hmm. in 1912. Uh, I guess it's like his most popular play, um, and it's like seems to like capture a lot of his style, particularly the dialogue and the way he writes characters. Yeah. Uh, fun fact right off the bat when this movie started up is a uh, old, old pal of the Criterion Creeps, David Lean, was an editor oh. on this. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. So this is him cutting his teeth, uh, making movies before he went yep. on to do it himself. Nice. Um, the description of this describing like the mythology of Pygmalion mm-hmm. uh, about a uh, man who makes a sculpture and wants it to come to life. Uh, it all sounded like real doll stuff to me. Um Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my first notes here is, well, this is certainly British. Yes, it is. And uh, so I, at the very beginning of this movie, I was kind of like, oh, no, this isn't, this isn't going to play out well. Because I remember my, uh, my memories of Great Expectations and, like, mm-hmm. some of the other uh, movies of this era, like your 39 Steps and whatnot. And I was like, oh, yeah. it's going to be another one of these, is it? But then we get, and then we start getting some really like interesting turns of phrases, like uh, uh, squashed cabbage leaf, which I uh-huh. was like, huh, that's pretty neat, and uh, draggle tailed gutter snipe, and I was <laughs> like, whoa, 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 <laughs> what, 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 what is going on like, here? <laughs> what's all this now? Yeah, what's with all this fancy talk? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, just as a overview, uh, I I think this movie is great. I, I like this movie a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't know. I thought it was like super watchable. Uh, I love the, the, I like the performances. I like the character dynamics. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like the, the, the dialogue is just like super solid. It's very like play-like. Like it, it, it definitely felt like an adaptation mm-hmm. of a play. And I was like reading the a description of the actual play itself, which is five acts. And it's very simple compared to the movie because mm-hmm. obviously when you're making a movie you should like 
uh, go a little bit further and like have some bridging sequences just because you can now because you're not like <clears throat> locked onto a stage. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know. I thought this movie was kind of terrific. And like, I'm kind of glad this is one of those occasions where I'm like, I'm really glad we're doing this whole criterion creep project. Cause I would never go out of my way to watch this movie. Cause it seems like no one really talks about it. And, mm-hmm. uh, it just sort of exists in this weird place. Like Anthony Asquith is like a director who like nobody really talks up too much. Um, he has this other movie that's a silent film that I actually am going to watch pretty soon called underground. That's apparently also really good. Um, and Leslie Howard who, uh, co-directed this and also is the star playing uh, mm-hmm. Henry Higgins. Uh, I've seen him in a couple things at this point, uh, like Gone Gone with the Wind and stuff like that, but I wasn't really familiar with him. But uh, I, like, he's awesome in this. Like, mm-hmm. he's he is great. Um, I think uh, Wendy Hiller, like, the transformation of her, like, from the beginning of this movie to the end is, like, very well done. It's, this, like, really got oh. underlined to me after watching My Fair Lady, which is yeah. just, like... Oh, Audrey Hepburn is like uh, supposed to be like a dirty bum girl. Like, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, e- e- yeah, yeah. Uh, just to break in there, that's like she's all that. Mm. Where uh, <laughs> Rachel A. Cook, uh, you see her and you're like, this this lady is like better looking than ninety nine percent of the people in this movie. <laughs> Even when they're trying to make her like. They have her with the overalls and, like, the sweaty hair. You're like, she still looks better than everyone in this movie. But they're like, oh, look how gross she is. And then, like, uh, in Pretty Woman, Julia Roberts doesn't change at all. (laughs) But I guess it's, like, it's supposed to be your perspective changes on the fact that she's, like, a dirty hooker in the start. (laughs) And then by the end of it, you're like, no, it's okay. It's okay to fall in love with a dirty hooker. Mm -hmm. So uh, we can talk about that more later. Uh, I just wanted to... Since you were talking about mm-hmm. progression and evolution of character within mm-hmm. frames, uh, I wanted to add, I wanted to add that you can't see listening, but I'm doing hand motions, and Jarrett just got like Whoa. woke. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's very uh, Trump-like these uh, hand yeah. gestures. Yeah, they're like real high elbows, and it's like Ugh, like yeah. jabby. Okay, yeah, yeah. anyways, okay. continue. Anyways, so yeah, no, uh, I don't know. They're I don't know. This is like, I think I just was, when I was talking about uh, watching Mother, because actually yep. Mother is kind of not that far off from the Pygmalion story. Um, and, and, and there's like, and there's a writer, like when I was talking about like, uh, like one of my like favorite genres, I guess, of like theater is like kind of like mm-hmm. mean, mean, cruel, like kind of like dramas with characters that are like, like ridiculously cruel to one another. Or yeah. like, so like, this is like fits totally into that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's like kind of like the uh, there's like the movie Carnage, which actually I I saw that you yep. did not like that movie on Letterbox. Did I give it a bad rating? You, you did, and I was like, that movie's uh, pretty good. So anyway, I think that's that's neither here nor there in yep. terms of what we're talking about here. But anyway, so yeah, uh, I love I love that stuff, and so like I didn't realize like I've I've never seen a Bernard Shaw play or like wasn't not really familiar with him. Mm-hmm. So watching this, I was like really pleasantly surprised that this was the sort of thing because it's like. Um, Henry Higgins is very much like, he's like a young Mr. Burns, like is the way I would best describe it. Like just like the way he snipes at people and his plans. And like, there's even like another, like a kind of Pygmalion type of thing is the movie trading places. Oh yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah. Which is also a movie about like two men, like making a bet and, Mm -hmm. um, and and just like the transformation of that and like up taking somebody from the poor and uplifting them. Um, so 
Yeah. yeah, that's that's some straight Pygmalion shit right yeah, there. Yeah, there's another one. It's all over the place. Yeah. There, uh, there's lots. Yeah. So hey, RJ. Uh, before I continue yep. on, uh, what did what did you think of this movie? It's one of the worst movies we've ever watched. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, this movie is really good. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it is a really well made movie. Yeah. Which uh, I think is like the biggest thing for this. Because when did you say this came out? 38 or something? Yeah. 1938. Uh, uh, this, before Citizen Kane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this movie is so well put together and like, um, gra- like holds your attention so much better than movies that come out now are. And it's like, there's no reason that movies that come out now can't be well made. It's like, I don't have any money. It's like, you think these motherfuckers in 1938 had any money? Well, they probably did, but um, my point, I guess, was, uh, yeah, it's it's really well made. It looks great. Um, the actors are really good. Uh, like, girlfriend, uh, she's wicked good uh, from her gutter snipe mouth at the start. Wendy Hiller, yes. <laughs> yeah, she, she I, I don't know names. That's I don't good. do that's, that. That's what uh, I'm here she, for. She's great. Uh, also, the callous, cold professor, uh, that guy is super fucking Le- good. Oh, Leslie Howard is like man like when because I... yeah what you said like how mean he is and like just like matter of factly too where he's just like i don't like he doesn't realize that he's just being so horrible to people and you're just like yeah nice nice no. uh he's really good that guy yeah. is aw- and together they were really good too but i almost just liked when they were um the scenes where they were just on their own almost right or because i think like he has a lot of scenes where he's just kind of like talking out loud yeah uh and like that stuff is really really good and uh, she has like a lot of the scenes with her is where i guess she's like speaking to him or speaking to the other one but what you see is just her doing it right and that's all really good uh it's got this movie has some fancy ass editing uh Mm -hmm. which apparently you said mr david lean was involved in this uh it it looks great man for uh the era it came out like you got some of that nice uh overlapping images where it's like one thing flies from one direction and it's like it's like spinning newspaper type stuff right where it's like images crossing. Uh, that looks well, really yeah, good. Yeah, because there's the uh, the science montage. Oh, man. I wrote down uh, dope-ass science shit with yeah. the exclamation. Science. Because um, that stuff was all really cool. Uh, the f- um, What is it? Uh, phenon- phonetics? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like all that stuff. Like he, I love that he has like a giant ear in his office and the creepy <laughs> Asian doll thing with the tongue that that, that thing is creepy but uh, <laughs> I just think it's I think it's so funny that like he's play they play it so to type it's like this guy studies languages so of course he'd have a giant ear in his office yeah. but, uh, uh, but I think okay uh, before we get through that scene there's like uh, before, so there's like the whole opening shot of that movie where it's like they're all waiting outside of like the hall and they're all waiting for yeah. it's raining um and uh, just like the weird like thing with him like lurking around pillars, and you're like, you really don't know exactly. I, I had no idea what he was. What he's doing? Like, I have no yeah. idea. I'm like, what the hell is this? And then people start freaking out. There's this guy taking notes, and it's like, oh, nowadays people would just be on their smartphones, and like this guy would just be wandering around recording mm-hmm. them and being a, a regular old creep. So um, he's like, he's like one of us. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And then we well, just that, kind of, yeah, and, yeah. It, and it goes there. But then we get the hilariousness of like, oh, the two language experts, uh, they just happen to meet completely by coincidence on the main street. Yeah. Like, I was going to come see you and you're here. <laughs> and they shake. I thought that was like super funny. Uh, yep. It's like, ah, uh, movies. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I liked it. It's like you said, it's, you never doubt it. You're like, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, whereas like when I was talking about earlier, other movies I watched this week where teams come together and you're just like, me. Um, what was I talking about? Uh, yeah, no, that's really funny. Um, this movie has a lot of like charm like that, where it's, uh, that old style kind of stuff mm-hmm. like, uh, debutantes and the balls. And, um, I like the British like etiquette type things where you see like the housekeeper trying to correct the guy and stuff like that. Right. I like stuff like that. It's, it's got a charm to it. Um, they also have like the biggest fucking coffee cup you have ever seen ever in this movie when they serve <laughs> each other that. coffee. It's like an entire like mixing bowl with just a little handle on it. I thought that was really funny. Uh, what else are we talking about here? Mm, science was pretty cool. I like uh, the talk of Hungarian royal blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that. That was, that was good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, this movie in general, I think has some pretty cool like, ideas and themes where it seemed like there there's like this banality to the the upper class kind of stuff where even like the etiquette things which i know i just said i i think that stuff's cool but uh they they go to all this trouble to raise this girl or like to try to teach her all these things and then you kind of see when she goes to that uh, ball or whatever and you see how these people are interacting with each other and it seems like a lot of uh like a lot of them, it's just like not like formalities, but like they do it so so much already that a lot of it gets lost, and it's like, what's the point of it? Any anyways? Yeah. Uh, actually, a good example is when he takes uh, he takes her to his mother's for tea, and uh, everyone's just stirring their cups. Oh man, that that and, scene is like so money. Yeah, yeah. So it's like everyone's stirring their cups, and like she kind of looks over, and she's like, "Oh, I guess I should stir my cup." But like, even like the semi-slow guy beside her, he's just doing it. He's like, "He's like, is everyone doing this? I'll just do this too." Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know what I mean? When I when I'm talking about this stuff, it's like there's these things that all these people do, and it's like, what's really the meaning here? What's the point? And it's like a lot of these people just do this stuff anyways because. It's kind of like uh, just, as discussed in last week's episode, Good Morning, where people yep. kind of like do things because, but mm-hmm. it's they're, 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 they have different ends. Whereas this movie, I think, is like kind of a, a challenge too, because I mean, Brit Britain has like has has its history of like the caste system essentially. Like, but, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a caste yeah. system; it was a class system, and just like like there are those things are like I think still even happening now today, uh, even though it's like more irrelevant than ever. Um, yeah, or should be, but. Yeah, like it's very, um, hmm, what would you put it? Like, cause I'm not sure like, what, what the movie is supposed to be, like what it's trying to say. Cause like, cause even like, yep. cause like Henry Higgins, like I think he views himself as above everything. That's like mm-hmm. sort of his goal. It's like to show, look, I could, I could take any, I could take anybody around and I could show them how to be like exactly like them. And they wouldn't even know cause they're idiots cause they're not as smart as me. Yep. And like, even though he himself falls into the trappings, but he just, mm-hmm. but he wants to be able to kind of like, he wants to be above it all. He wants to like always be above it. But at the same time he has, he falls into the, the those trappings. 
Right. Yeah. 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 I know what you mean. Uh, I think the big takeaway from this movie is uh, that to quote the Matrix, Mm. uh, ignorance is bliss Uh, because it's like when she was like the gutter person, the draggle tail, she's just like kind of happy with her life or like not like not unhappy with her life. She's content. Yeah. Yeah. And then it's like once she becomes a proper lady, she's she's like real sad and she's like lonely and she's. There, there's all these things where it's like, well, you don't understand, and she's like, I, I have all this knowledge it's, now. It's kind of like uh, Flowers for Algernon, which is like, yeah, uh, yeah, which, yeah. There's like that terrifying bit where like he realizes he's not going to be smart anymore, and it's like yep. that reversal, and you're going to be cast back, and you won't even know. But in this yep. case, she will know, and there's like nothing to go back mm-hmm. to, and there's like, yeah, there's like these like really great moments of like her going back, and like people like see her, and they're like, oh oh, you're not her because you're not dressed like, oh, you're a proper lady. And she's like, oh, God, I can't even go back. I'm not like, it's not like she's not welcome yeah. there, but she can't go back to this. Yep. It's uh, it's kind of like it's a messed up thing. It sure um, is. Oh, yeah. Dog. Well, a couple of my other notes from earlier. Uh, so, yeah, there's like the uh, some King's speechery going on in this. Oh, yes. Yeah, with marbles in the mouth, uh, which has, comes with like, like I think, a fantastic bit where like she's like, I swallowed one, to which Higgins responds, don't worry, there are plenty more. It's like mm-hmm. that, that. that's fantastic. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, when they, when, uh, he, he does the first test run with, uh, with, uh, uh, Doolittle and he takes her to his mother's and like his mother's is like, go home. Like she's like, doesn't like him. She's like, I'm like, today's my, like, like, I don't care. No. Yeah. She's like, this is the day you don't visit me. Go away. Yeah. You leave a goose fuck off. Uh, so I thought that was cool. It's like, that's nice to see. Cause usually it's always the overbearing mother. Like, but he's Mm -hmm. like actually got like the mother fixation. Um, so yeah, yeah, and that whole bit where he's like laying out like what what's going to happen, and they explain, and then like all these people from earlier on show up, um, the simpleton Freddy and his like mm-hmm. mother and stuff like that. They all show up, and then you get that whole like play of like uh, kind of like the gutter snipe way of thinking by way of high lady speak and it's like uh it's a great little scene of just like the disconnect of like yeah you could learn how to talk all properly but if your ideas and like ability to like uh process information is still the same it's just going to come out and then no one's going to know what you're saying on either side Mm -hmm. Uh, so i think that's like pretty pretty snappy for like a 1912 play to be throwing that stuff stuff that that down because most movies don't even give a fuck about those types of things nowadays they just assume people wouldn't be smart enough to get it Mm -hmm. um then we get more training montages (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah those are nice though oh oh, yeah i love yeah i love it this this movie's like snappy it's like Mm -hmm. 90 minutes it doesn't overstay its welcome it just blasts through um Mm -hmm. but then like yes like uh I guess it all is building toward the bet, which I guess, like, if we want to talk about yeah. it, uh, Higgins bets Pickering, I can make her into, like, a proper lady and no one would know the difference. And we get to that scene, the big moment of this movie, which I guess isn't even, like, a big thing in the play itself, which is mm-hmm. interesting. Um, and then, like, we get the disciple of Higgins, uh, the, mm-hmm. oh, what's his name? He's the monocle, and he's a ponce. Uh, we get the, uh, the Hungarian guy. Yeah, we get his 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 entrance, which I think yep. is like awesome. Like his like swanning in. Um, yep. I think I was like reading like on a blog. It was like there's like uh, another like Criterion blog thing from like 2008 was writing an article, and they were describing it as like very like Scorsese like the way the camera like. <laughs> pans out and like tracks the shot and I'm like yeah yeah it's like that's probably why I was like that scene really stood out mm-hmm. to me 
Um, and then I just made the note, uh, the note here that this movie is just fucking savage. Uh, it's just like, when? just, well, just this, the, how just, everyone's so mean. Well, well, after the party and everything's a success, like, oh, cause you yeah. get, you get the whole payoff and cause like, yeah, yeah. what's great about like, intro, cause like when you introduce like the disciple character, like you're like, Oh, oh there's the tension. Like, is he going to find it out? And like, I never was like yeah. really convinced. I think the guy was like presented as like too much of an idiot, like, or kind of a yep. dope that he was like, it was going to be like, Oh, how does he screw up? Like, how does he not pick up on her? And then you get to see, like you get the payoff mm-hmm. of like him, like completely missing the boat. And like gets like, cause at the end of the day, this movie is kind of like supposed to be a comedy. Uh, but it, I think like a lot of times this movie is like so mean and like Leslie Howard is so convincing as like yep. an asshole that it's like, uh, it elevates it. And then, yeah, you get to like the, the savagery of like when it comes down to <laughs> Doolittle and Higgins like together and like, just yeah. like how like mean Howard is like he like oh, yeah. just Higgins is just like he does not give a shit like cause you keep thinking oh he's gonna start falling for her and then the mm-hmm. opportunity is not gonna be there anymore but it doesn't play out quite like that and then you just get like how like what is she supposed to do now and he's like oh, I don't know because he's still above it all like he doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> well, he's like I don't care yeah he hasn't fallen for the girl which is like kind of like yeah. more of like the trope if this was like a say a late 90s uh comedy <laughs> where it's like, oh, I think I'm really falling for her now. Um, it, it was a bet, yeah. But then I, but then I met you. It became too real. It came, became too real. Uh, so yeah, so we get like the whole kind of final bit where like she's like, well, fuck you, I'm gonna go hang out with Freddie, and like mm-hmm. Freddie is this, this dullard who's been waiting around for. Her. Um, there's the like, great scenes where like we're like she's like she's like kiss me, and he's like oh, okay, and then like these cops come around, they're like, mm-hmm. were, you, were you annoying that young lady? <laughs> <laughs> and mm-hmm. that's good um and then yeah you get like the kind of the final sequence of the movie where like it all is just laid out bare and um it's like it's, it's higgins versus uh Doolittle. the world and it's yep. and then i don't know I, I think the final sequences of this movie are like fantastic the higgins yep. walk down the street is awesome and you keep like mm-hmm. thinking i don't know it had me going i was like where does this end like is this yeah. the end is this going to end on this note like is this like the third man where it's like unrequited or whatever yeah. and then it's like ah perfect and it's like i think my note here was higgins got played there i gotcha yeah, and it works, and I liked it. <clears throat> Apparently, Bernard Shaw uh, mm-hmm. said he like did not think at all that uh, the two should ever get together, because he's just like, no, it doesn't make any sense. Like, because <laughs> he wrote the play, and he's kind of right. Yeah. Like, you because like the way the Higgins character is written, it's like it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he's also adapting Pygmalion, which is a story about like the artist and his like sculpture, like being together so it's kind of like funny that he was like so against it so i guess like he was not a fan of the like ending where they like fall in love or whatever like and i guess like Mm -hmm. it 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 actually ended on the ambiguous ending before and like people complained and he like wrote in some like added on stuff to the play that like all right him her and freddie get together and they're happily ever after but that's also a decision because i think like freddie is not a, a simpleton as much in the play and in, for instance, My Fair Lady as he is here in Pygmalion. But I think mm-hmm. it works. Like for Pygmalion, like they're trying to make this like really like it's like kind of a like dark comedy and like he's just like a goofball, like a 1930s goofball in a 30s movie. Um, mm-hmm. But like, yeah. So I mean, it works great. Like you don't want to see her with Freddie because he's like he's a dummy. 
Like she's, yeah. she seems smart and like sophisticated and on it now that she's like learned about the world and Higgins wants that challenge. And like, that's like when he gets like really into her, she's like, where she becomes the dominating mother woman to him. And he's like, yes, <laughs> this is what I signed up for. <laughs> Cause he's a weirdo, but a great weirdo. Oh, oh he's a weirdo. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So hey, this is a good movie. Yeah. This movie is great. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm kind of bummed out cause I feel like, uh, like what happens with some of these obscure movies is people don't wind up watching or like listening yeah. to the episodes or because they're good. I don't care about that movie. And you're like, no, that's the point of this whole thing is to find out yeah. what movies are good. And this one's absolutely like, I think it's one of the, like definitely mm-hmm. one of the better movies that we've watched, uh, especially blindly. Um, oh I think shit. Yeah. Good. Um, yeah. So, Hey, her Jay, uh, I yeah. also watched my fair lady for the very first time. Ah, uh, can I tell you uh, really quickly before you start? Can I tell you my, my fair lady story? Absolutely. Saturday night, uh, as uh, I talked about earlier in the uh, preamble, uh, this was uh, Andy week because uh, my girlfriend loves rom-coms. She loves makeover movies. Uh, so I was like, she watched Pygmalion with me. She watched She's All That, Pretty Woman. And uh, I was like, so there's uh, this My Fair Lady. I was like, uh, Jared said it won Best Picture, I guess. I was like, you want to watch this with me? And she's like, yeah, sure. I was like, it's three hours long. She's like, oh, well, if it's good, we'll watch it. Uh, I was like, okay. So we ordered pizza. We got tucked in, man. Saturday night, we were going to watch My Fair Lady. And it starts, and it's a musical. And Andrea just stood up. She's, she went, nah, nah. She just left. So uh, we didn't watch My Fair Lady. Uh, in her words, I don't play that musical shit. Really? She didn't say that, actually. She was just like, I don't like musicals. I'm not going to watch this That's fucking interesting. thing. That's interesting. And I was like, yeah, okay. Uh, she didn't like La La Land either because she thought it was. Just, she doesn't like musicals. Interesting. So, so anyways, uh, we were going to watch this with you. Uh, we were going to do it, but uh, we took the, uh, the harder turn. We did those uh 80s 90s ones and you you had to do this so anyways tell me about my fair lady that's okay um i took the l on this because uh, yeah. i had i watched my fair lady mm-hmm. uh this movie is directed by gray cooker or george cooker mm-hmm. george cooker uh and yeah it won best picture uh yeah. so i'm really glad i watched pygmalion first because yeah. like the movie is so great and it lays out the story so well because mm-hmm. when you watch my fair lady it's the same movie, RJ, but it's three hours long. It takes musicals. It takes not even like the musical bits are like, there's not that many like sequences like mm-hmm. that to pad it out, but no, they take the exact same story, like ex- the same dialogue and exchanges and stuff like that, but they double it. And uh... this, so that made me mad uh, because yeah. when you've done it, when the material's done so well, and yeah. uh, you've seen it like done like man, I can't imagine this being any better. And then you do it like subparly, <laughs> in my opinion. Like I, I think this movie sucks, kind of. Like I, I think it's a waste of time. Um, I people watch watch Pygmalion instead. Like, th- th- what does it have going for it? So it's got Audrey Hepburn, mm-hmm. which I think adds to its popularity. Um, so my fair lady story I'll throw out there is apparently this is like my mom's like favorite movie. Uh, or it's the movie. That, it's, it's the movie that my mom will say she like. Oh, that's my favorite movie. But I yeah. doubt she's probably watched it in forty years. Like she like. Yeah, I see. Because like, I I wound up watching uh, the like Warner Brothers two disc special edition. I bought her for Christmas, and mm-hmm. I bought it like probably over ten years ago, 
15 yeah. years ago. And it, like when I like got it from the house uh, to like watch it like a couple years ago for like when I was watching best winner, best picture winners, but I never got to it. It was still sealed. So like my mom was like, not watch this movie like forever. Like, and so I was like, well, well so I was going in to this being like, okay, well, let's just see what this is like. I kind of like have an expectation of what this is. It pretty well is that, uh, it's just yeah. like, it's just a padded out version of the same movie. Um, mm-hmm. with Audrey Hepburn, who we're told is like, Oh, look at this like bum girl. <laughs> but you're like, like <laughs> she doesn't look like at all, like on a, yeah. like, <laughs> like a physical level, like somebody that's like malnourished and coming from mm-hmm. like the, like the gutters of England. Like she looks like pretty like She looks like Audrey Hepburn wearing like, yeah. like, crappy clothes even like even the crappy clothes are like super well designed because you know it's a big yeah it's a big production of a movie um rex harrison uh dr doolittle uh Mm -hmm. he plays uh higgins and he sucks in the sense that he is like so obviously not a mean person. <laughs> yeah. Like, he, like every line, cause he's doing all the same dialogue as Higgins, right? Like every, mm-hmm. like he's supposed to be like a dick, but like, you're not, I'm never convinced that he is like, he feels this way. Like he's just like smiling. He's like, almost like a kindly grandpa. Who's like, he doesn't realize he's a sweet person. He's mm-hmm. or like, man, uh, Leslie Howard. <laughs> like you were just like, this man just doesn't care. Like it's, he's because that's yeah. how good that performance is, and Rex Harrison is just like, oh, I'm a smiling grandpa. I'm going to sing a song about how I'm a bachelor and women are inferior. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, good stuff. okay, this is just like the like, I don't know. You look through those like '60s Best Picture winners, and they're like, there's so many fucking musicals. Uh, one of which I did watch for the uh, Criterion Creeps back when we watched uh, uh, Great Expectations and Oliver Twist. I watched oh. Oliver, and that movie had like Oliver Reed at least. Uh, yeah. but this did not have Oliver Reed. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just really long. And, uh, there's like one dance number that is like, kind of like where the iconic, my fair lady costume comes from the, like the, if every poster has it, like the big feather hat, like when she, and it's like the scene that's like at in Pygmalion at his mother's house, but it's yeah. played out at like the horse track. And it's like, a, like the costumes and look of it are like really amazing. Like that is like one thing you like, I will knock not knock this movie for is like the lavish like production values of this movie. Like it looks amazing. The house is like <laughs> has this ridiculous wallpapers and just like yeah, it looks like a it's a shot in seventy millimeter Panavision. So it looks really great. This movie would probably be yeah. like better, obviously, I think to watch in a theater than like at home. Uh, but it's still way too long. I don't really care about any of the songs because uh, like Andrea, I guess I'm not like a musical man. Um, I thought they called you the music man in high school. Is that for <laughs> different reasons? Uh, I can't imagine what those reasons would be. Um, but anyway, so yeah, my fair lady don't watch it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe I, so I would not recommend it. Just watch Pygmalion. It's yeah. just, so, it's so much better. Should I talk about my Pygmalion remake? Uh oh, one more thing. So the other, the killer, the one that made me mad with my friend oh, lady. Yeah. So like the last, like the last, there's an hour left in the movie, and they've done the big like, uh, like thing where the they ball. go, to the, they go to the ball, and everyone, everyone goes back and starts celebrating how great it was. 
And that's like there's still an yeah. hour to go in the movie. And I'm like, what the fuck did they? What can they accomplish in an hour that they could do like that other in the other movie? It's like 20 yeah. minutes. This is an hour. Like, and nothing justifies it. It never gets better. It's never like the final sequence with like Rex Harrison and Audrey Hepburn doing the same thing that we just saw in the previous movie, which which is so good and savage. This is like they're all like, oh, we're so cute. This is so charming. Um, like I'd say like My yeah. Fair Lady maybe is like more accurate to maybe the plays that are like going for like this is a comedy and you're supposed to be a little bit like happier watching it not like drawn Mm -hmm. into this like intense brutal drama that's playing out um actually another thing i'll throw out there too is like when i was watching pygmalion uh chanel was kind of like coming in and out of the like room doing some other stuff but she sat down and committed to the last like 15 20 minutes of the movie because she was totally drawn in to just the Mm -hmm. dialogue like she was just like wow this is like so good like it's like raw yeah i can't believe it like this is great um and like she also was a big fan of mother which had like very similar Mm -hmm. convincing character dynamics so right so great so yeah final thing about my fair lady the the whole sequence that we just seen with uh, leslie howard walking down the street so well done there's no Mm -hmm. fucking singing there's no like bombasticness him talking out loud yeah. nothing it's just him walking with like like determination this is rex harrison talk singing out his feelings through this final walk oh, it's, yeah. it's such fucking bullshit it's just like god damn this movie i hate it um and it's probably because i've seen i saw pygmalion beforehand maybe but like i would i probably wouldn't be crazy about my fair lady either um it's yeah. definitely on the weaker side of uh, best picture winners that i've watched well um it sounds bad yeah, it's not worth the time. Uh, yeah, I don't like musicals. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I don't have much else to say. I was gonna look up what el- uh, what else was nominated for best picture. Ooh, go for it. Uh, I'll read through that year. Who hates Pygmalion? Get on it, girl. Alrighty. So Jeff King, he gave this mo- Pygmalion one star. Is it possible to adapt Shaw's work, Pygmalion, for the screen in any way that doesn't come off as insulting to the modern ear? I realize that that's the entire premise of Higgins' work toward Eliza, but at some point it just becomes tiresome. I've seen the My Fair Lady adaptation that won awards 30 years later, but that at least had musical numbers to liven it up. This is a 90-ish minutes of one character berating and insulting another, and that's insulted character somehow coming around to love the one assailing her verbally. It's sad tone deaf to someone watching in the 21st century and honestly doll here's hoping this never gets adapted again that seems a little bit drastic like <laughs> like this guy's got some real fucking problems with he, this he, he he had some hard feelings real feelings about it he there's no he, way you could he, feel that like he, he didn't like it and so no one else does um nathan uh, gave this movie one and a half star I really, yeah. really hate this play movie, and I know it's satire, but it still makes me incredibly uncomfortable, and I loathe every bloody second of it, but at least it doesn't have songs. Intellectually, I can sense its value, but something about it goes all over me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to spend time with this smug asshole, whether the film is making fun of him or not. Wendy Hiller is marvelous, though. Uh, the end of the film actually makes matters worse since it refuses Eliza even sufficient integrity to the exit the life of her oppressor. Not that Shaw's humor ever seems fair to her as a person, sympathetic or not. Ugh, just can't take it. Sorry. Guess I haven't matured mm-hmm. since senior year after all. Edit. Lowest rating for this on Letterboxd. My wiring is clearly fucked. That's uh, some refreshing uh, self-awareness. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's nice. 
Um, <clears throat> do you have any other hate? I, in this I, I, movie? I got one more, and then you can Kay. tell me uh, the competition for My Fair Lady. Oh, okay. 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 So Coco gave this two stars. Uh, the twin devils Leslie Howard and Anthony Asquith pervert and misconstrue Shaw's indictment of Britain's rigid hierarchical structures and advocacy for female independence. Remember, Shut this up. was a time before women's suffrage. Uh, what? Yeah, well. Through the use of countless tacked-on small scenes, sappy musical arrangements, looks, glances, camera angles, and that abomination of an ending, the narrative ultimately metamorphoses into a saccharine love affair and not about a creepy old asshole breeding a penniless girl to become the ultimate obedient waifu as it was in the original play <laughs> to so utterly miss the point of the original work has triggered me beyond belief. This could all have been forgiven if the comedic bits were delivered competently, but that which was awfully funny in print has become tediously defined. Alas! <laughs> I don't like the way that person talks. Yeah. Uh, you want to you want to hear some rage here? You want to hear some real bullshit? Go for it. About the the thirty seventh Academy Awards. <laughs> uh, so I just want to point out Best Actress. Apparently Audrey Hepburn wasn't even nominated, uh, but Julie Andrews of Mary Poppins won. So uh, mm-hmm. apparently My Fair Lady wasn't even the best musical that came that came out that year because Mary Poppins came out, which I believe is better. Um, I don't know. Uh, other Best Picture nominees. Uh, were Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. uh, Beckett, Zorba the Greek, uh, which I've heard of, I've never seen. And get this, Jarrett, a movie that was beaten by My Fair Lady, which was nominated for Best Picture, directed by Mr. Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, well, which also, he lost Best Picture to the My Fair Lady director, and... This one is the real fucking thing here. Uh, Peter Sellers was nominated for Best Actor for Dr. Strangelove. He did not win. He lost to your personal friend, Rex Harrison. So uh, so Dr. Strangelove was nominated for like everything. And it's just like, it doesn't look like it won anything. I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah, your buddy Rex Harrison beat Peter Sellers. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it's not Rex Harrison's fault. Uh, yeah. Well, kind of is because he played it that way, but it fit with mm-hmm. the rest of the movie, which is also at all. So, you know what, though? Audrey Hepburn deserved to lose because she's like not even that good in the movie either. Oh, like, okay. I, 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 I was just, I, I yeah. didn't really get into her too much because like there's just other elements of the whole production I don't like. But yeah, she's yeah. like, I might know it was like, yeah, she's just too broad and like too comedy for my taste. Uh, sure. It just, yeah, it doesn't quite fit. Like, she makes these really wacky sounds. It works in charade. But, and also okay. the other yeah. thing too, is like, they never really place like how old she's supposed to be in this movie. Um, but she was 62. like, she, well, she's like in her thirties at this point, but she always like, oh, she's, okay. she looks like she's always like 22 kind of thing. Like she was yeah. like, quite young. Um, but anyway, yeah. And then it's like a couple of years later, Audrey Hepburn's like not in anything ever again. <laughs> kind of like or what's going to happen to you. little like me. Oh. Yep. When I'm done. Hey, I watched pretty woman. Hey, talk about that. Richard Gere isn't a good actor. He's not a good actor. No, I don't think so. Does he just, I'm not convinced. Now, does he just play himself in movies? Is that the issue? No, I think he's just bad. 
uh, Pretty Woman, he's just really boring and uninterested. Uh, I was going to say, I've seen this before as a little kid. Not a little kid, but I used to see parts of it on TV. Just, you know, uh, I didn't realize how much sex was in this movie. Dirty hooker sex. Uh, there's a blowjob scene. And there is banging on a piano, which seemed pretty pretty raw. Hello. Um, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, Julia Roberts doesn't change at all. I think the audience changes their viewpoint that falling in love with a hooker is okay. And then uh, George Costanza comes in and uh, punches her in the head and tries to rape her. And that's pretty fucking crazy. And I don't remember that scene as a kid. I don't. Th- maybe uh, they, I don't think that that scene might have gotten cut in the TV version. Uh, oh, in the uh, the TBS version, they cut yeah. out when uh, George from Seinfeld uh, punches the hooker and tries to rape her. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Anyways, that's it. Pretty Woman is. Uh, it sounds like it was better than My Fair Lady. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> it was like I, I mean, I've never seen it. I've fine. never. I've never seen it. Um, you never seen Pretty Woman? No, I like Roy Orbison. Fuck, you're a monster. Yeah, he he has a audio appearance. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Anyways, um, that's oh, all hey, I wanted to about, say. I guess like one thing with Pygmalion we didn't really touch on is Pimp Dad, Mister Doolittle. Yeah, they. Uh, they uh, they didn't really talk about that. I was gonna say in Pretty Woman they really gloss over how bad it would be to be a hooker because mm. the one girl's like, oh, we should get a pimp, and he's like, mm, he bur- he threw out all my stuff when I said I wasn't gonna have him as a pimp anymore, and it's like I don't think that's what happened. Oh, we, we, that's fun. I just was I'm just skimming through uh, Wilfred Lawson who played uh, um, Mr. Doolittle in Pygmalion. He played yep. the uncredited old soldier in 1964's Academy Award nominated Best Picture. Beckett. What a okay. hell of a well, thing. there you go. Um, yep. And Beckett's actually a pretty good movie, too. That, like, I've I believe seen, it. I, I've seen it, but it's been a while. Uh, and actually, we'll be seeing uh, Wendy Hiller, because she's going to be showing up uh, very in a few weeks when we get to the uh, Powell Pressburger doubleheader. She's in I Know Where I'm Going. I don't really know any of the things that you were talking about the last couple minutes, so I'm just going gonna, gonna to say yes. Yes. Yes, you're right. Exquisite. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'm just wondering if we'll see Leslie Howard in anything again in our... Uh... I hope so. I don't think we do, though. Is Gone with the Wind in the uh, laser oh, disc? Oh, no, fuck. He died in 43. Uh-oh. What did he die yeah. of? Polio. Uh, World War II? I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Oh, yeah. Casualty of War. There you go. So he uh, went and fought, I think, is the <laughs> my the gem. Oh, that sucks. It's too bad. Yeah. Yep. He That's was, too bad. Was, was on board flight 777 of KLM Royal Dutch Airlines uh, with four crew members and 12 other passengers on a regular flight from Bristol to Lisbon when it was shot down by German fire planes. There so, you go. Boo earns. Happens to the best of us. Yep. Well, not the ones that just stay home, hopefully. Uh, hey, you think you're safe at home. You wait. I know. You wait. Hopefully, I'm safe. Yeah. Nothing right. for sure. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Pygmalion's awesome. People should absolutely watch it. It's really good. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yep. Uh, after the break, I'm going to sell RJ to a professor. The professor tells me that he's going to turn him into a proper lady. Fucking better men have tried, buddy. Mm-hmm. Just think about how smart you're going to sound in six months. <sighs> Bollocks. Some might even say that the Criterion Creeps project is a Pygmalion tale. Mm, for you, maybe. <laughs> Bringing you down to earth, baby. Mm-hmm. 
It's really taking on that hierarchy. There you go. Despite there not being very many, like, we're actually seeing there's no pigs in this movie. Uh, I think it worked out okay. There was no pigs, but you could say that man is pig. Yeah, long pig. Oh, that's not... Huh? Uh, yeah, you can just email us at criterioncreeps.gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, we've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. We're on Letterboxd. We're on YouTube mm-hmm. and RJ. We're also mm-hmm. on Patreon.com. Are we? We are. And uh, Oliver manned up this past week. Nice. Getting us ever so closer to uh, our goal of breaking even. So thank you very much. And thank nice. you for the feedback and for anybody else. Uh, feedback or money or anything like that would be cool. That would mm-hmm. be either one's good money's really good um and i'm jared duncan he's barnloaf on that letterboxd uh we're on soundcloud stitcher itunes google play all those platforms subscribe mm-hmm. and maybe even rate us uh mm-hmm. maybe it's been a little while i think we got some new listeners maybe out there in the woods you should come and show oh, us where out in the woods you know the internet woods oh okay they're dark uh hey next week rj spine 86, 87, 88. We're going back to the land of Russia. And we're uh, watching some Sergei Eisenstein. Mm, I don't think I want to do this. <laughs> the Sound Era. Uh, Alexander Nevsky. Ivan the Terrible Parts 1 and 2. <laughs> oh boy. I'm so excited. I don't like doing this show are, anymore. Are, are you gonna do a little bit of like studying and go watch like uh, Eisenstein's all-time influential classic, Battleship Potemkin, in preparation, RJ? I don't like this show anymore. I think I'm gonna stop doing it. Yeah. Well, you can quit uh, in two weeks. <laughs> two weeks? What's in two weeks? I have no idea. Is um, that when the uh, the special guest comes on? Uh, yeah. Death. Yeah. Death. Nice. Okay. Well. Good night. Mm. Good good viewing. RJ's cat just entered the picture. <laughs> I think this is a perfect time to end it all. She's a good cat, Jarrett. <laughs>